and we are on air right now with Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review for the 2020 season premiere of Daytona. It is Speed Weeks, folks, and racing is revving up for a fantastic 2020 season. Uh, we already have uh, some races in the books. We'll talk about those races tonight, uh, along with our co-host, Sal Segala. He'll be along here in just a few minutes. Uh, but uh, we'll catch some of the highlights when he comes on at 8.40 tonight. That's Eastern Time. Our first guest is Michael Self, uh, the Arkham Menard Series driver with Venturini Motorsports. He won the season opener uh, for that series at Daytona International Speedway this weekend. We'll have him on at 8.40 p.m. tonight. At 9.30 p.m., we have Derek Thorne. Uh, he's an SRL Southwest Touring Series champion uh, with Campbell Motorsports. We're going to chat with him about his 2020 season during the 9.30 half hour. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and we'll have our fan for racing crew on board for that conversation. And uh, we do have a post an event posted on Facebook. If you want to take part in some of the discussion throughout the show, you want to head on over to that page, and uh, you can find that at Fan for Racing Blog and Radio on Fan for on Facebook. So uh, check that out, and uh, uh, we hope to hear from some of our listeners here tonight. Sal, we're going to have our hands full here tonight, right? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping we are. I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I have a, I had to get a new phone, so oh my I forgot goodness. all about. Yeah, so the, my iPhone SE, you know, you just plug the headset into the side. Well, I got iPhone 11. I'm looking for the plug, and there is no plug. Oh my! For the headphones. Okay. Yeah. So well, good thing that for Christmas, Sandy bought me a pair of wire. You know, the iPods, the earpods, whatever you call them. Oh, okay. So I had to go out okay. to the car good and get deal. them. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out how to how you plug in a headphone and the, i've only had the phone for a couple of weeks i have no clue i'm not a one of those uh what do you call them the tech geeks so <laughs> okay well um, i'm sure you'll figure it out sal um i, yeah, I want we got to get it. into the racing that we saw this weekend because uh, we saw some really fantastic racing this weekend we had a couple of races well there's the World Series of Asphalt Racing taking place at New Sperna all week. Uh, there's been a lot of racing going on there. But at Daytona, we had uh, the Arkham Menard Series uh, season opener, and that uh, race was won by Michael Self. Again, he's coming on the show here uh, in just about six minutes. And uh, we also had the Clash <laughs> with the Cup Series. So that was a fun race to watch. Uh, that was pretty much a matter of attrition. Uh, any highlights you want to point out uh, in any of those races, Sal? Yeah, I guess just the domination from Michael Self himself. You know, funny Self himself, but you know to come out, you know, dominate, <laughs> and I'm 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 pretty sure from what, if I was watching the race correctly, he won that race on one set of tires. But um, he went out there and dominated. You know what? And, and did a yeah, did an incredible job. Um, you know, it's good to see him back out there again because I know I towards the end of the season he wasn't too sure you know what his plans were for this year you know then he announced them and um, you know it looks like he's uh he's back on you know back on track and he looks like he's going to be one of the um one of the 
um, drivers, Champ- you know, to really look for, you know, as championship contenders, you know, he's uh, really looking yeah. good this year. Yeah, he is really looking good, and and I think that's really important for Michael to win that championship in that Arkham and Art Series. This is uh, their first full season with uh, the East and the West joining the Arkham and Art Series this year. Uh, so I, I think Michael really wants to win this championship, and he's off to a good start. One good thing that happened for Michael is he now has Kevin Reed as his uh, crew chief. Kevin Reed won that Daytona race uh, in the Arkham and Art Series last year with Christian Ecke. So that's two in a row for Kevin Reed. And this is actually Michael's uh, second Daytona win as well in that series. So uh, I think that's going to be a great combination for him and Venturini Motorsports uh, this season. You know, Sharon, um, see, this is where I'm lost on the on the Arkham and Art Series. Okay, you mentioned East and West. But the cars that mm-hmm. they drive in the east and the west are not—they're not the same cars as what uh, as what was driven on on Saturday's race. They're two different—they're two different cars. And from what I'm understanding, right, because they're, two they're different, series, different series. Yeah, they yeah, did that now because they're making the transition from the Canon <clears throat> Pro Series into the Arkham Menard Series, so they're giving the teams a chance to make that transition with uh, minimal cost. So this season, the cars are not going to be the same. They're, they're, again, it's a transitional kind of a year, so they're giving them that chance to do that. So that's why the cars are a little bit different. Okay, I, I was just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to grab a hold of. <coughs> excuse me. I'm still okay, to just to, just the, to, yeah. Just to give a little bit of clarification, last season and for for quite a while now, there's been the Arkham, there's been the Can-Am Pro Series East and West, and it's been an entirely different series under the NASCAR banner. The Arkham Menard Series was under their own banner, uh, but they have now merged with NASCAR, and it's all under that NASCAR banner. So the Arkham Menard Series now is incorporating the the Can-Am Pro Series East and West. And they're now called the Arkham Menard Series East and West. Uh, they have a 10-race schedule for each of those series. Then there is uh, the Arkham Menard Series with a 20-race schedule that includes 10 races that are part of the Arkham Menard Series showdown. And that's where a lot of the drivers from the East and the West uh, can kind of join into that regular Arkham Menard Series and race with those drivers uh, in that showdown. It's a 10-race showdown of the 20 races that the Arc uh, Menard Series runs. So it sounds a little confusing right now, but I think as the season goes along, uh, it'll make a little more sense for fans uh, who are are kind of watching this as it uh, unfolds in this 2020 season. Okay. Yeah, I just, like I said, I'm just having... um, just having trouble grabbing, getting grips with it. Now, Sal, you can clarify for me in the SRL Southwest Tour. Uh, do they already have one race in the books? Actually, this this was the first race we had, which was the All Star Showdown. Um, you mm-hmm. know, presented by Sunrise Ford and um, the West Coast uh, Hall of Fame. That was their very first uh, points race. So, yes, on that one, yeah, the uh, um, drivers did collect, you know, um, series points for that as far as, you know, points for the Rookie of the Year standings and, and, did Derek, and all that. So, did Derek win that race? Yes, actually, Derek won the race. Very good 
very good uh, dominating race by him. And uh, the trophies are really unique. Each we were, they ran three series. They ran the um, the SRL modifieds, and then Erndale threw in a, a, a pro late model race, which we ran on the third mile. And then we ran, of course, you know, the Spears SRL, you know, um, super late model tour race. And uh, mm-hmm. each trophy, the the modified race paid five thousand to win, and the trophy had a little plastic box, and the five thousand dollars was in there. So once the driver passed tech, then Ricky Brooks, who's the head, um, who's the head uh, tech official, gave the driver the key to go out and open up the box so he can get his money out. Oh, that's And cool. then they did things. <laughs> they did the same thing for the pro late, which was a ten thousand dollar to win. And then the um, super late model race was $25,000 to win. So each trophy had the, the money was already in there. So this way the drivers didn't have to wait, you know, for their, you know, for their, for the price. So it was really neat to see them open up the, you know, at, you know, after they passed tech, you know, to see them open up the box and take the money out, you know, and, and uh, so there was, um, there was four, there was $40,000 uh, up for grabs at Erndale last Saturday and um, or the Saturday before, Saturday for two weeks ago, and um, I'll tell you, it was really, wow. uh, it was it was really indeed a really neat experience. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, I do want to get back to the Arkham Menard series because we do have our guest on board here with us. Michael Self won the season opener at uh, Daytona this weekend uh, for Venturini Motorsports, and Michael, this was your second win. Uh, and two in a row for your crew chief, Kevin Reed. How exciting is that? Yeah, it's uh, exciting for the whole team. It's great for Venturini Motorsports um, to start off the season the way they ended last season, especially at Daytona. It's it's awesome for me to get another win, as you guys can imagine, at Daytona. A uh, big deal for us. And <laughs> just hopefully a good momentum builder here as we go forward. Well, Michael, you know we've been watching your uh, series, your um uh, career unfolds through the Canon Pro Series, now the Arkham Menard Series West, as well as the Arkham Menard Series now this year. And um, uh, I tell you what, th- this has got to be your year. You came so close last season to winning the championship, uh, you, and you had a very dominating performance at Daytona. Uh, that's got to give you co- some confidence uh, looking ahead to the rest of the schedule this year. Yeah, you know, knock on wood. Uh, it's definitely a better start to the year than we had last year when we finished 31st at Daytona. That one was a little bit hard to swallow, but um, it, it was it was great to just drive a phenomenal race car and to have the race go shockingly as smoothly as it, it did for us. It's kind of rare for that to happen at Daytona, and hopefully that is a sign of things to come. You know, I went through last year, and um, unfortunately we we made a lot of mistakes collectively as a team. Um, had a couple of mechanical issues that cost us races, and, and I made a couple of mistakes that cost us some good finishes. And uh, my goal this year is to learn from those things and to, to capitalize on what I've learned when I think back on them, and, and so we can clear those things up and uh, just uh, just try and top the, the the 14 top five finishes that we had last year, and, and hopefully bring home a couple more wins uh, along with it. Well, I know Kevin Reed won the championship last year with uh, Christian Eckes, uh, your teammate, and this year he's working with you. Talk a little bit about the relationship and how that's uh, developing uh, with the first race. I know the first race seems like it's you're just getting together for the first time, but you guys have had a chance to kind of 
start building that relationship prior to that race, right? Yeah, so so Kevin and I have actually worked together quite a bit in the past. Um, he was my crew chief when I won Daytona back two years ago. Uh, we also won Chicagoland together that year. Um, ran Michigan, Kansas, Charlotte, um, had a couple third-place finishes. Those places, I uh, finished third at Talladega that year. Um, I, I worked with Kevin when he was back at Mason Mitchell Motorsports. I uh, ran over there with them mm-hmm. uh, a handful of races. And um, Kevin's always been someone that I really um, – really really look up to in, in racing he's he's just very established as a crew chief and um he's he's extremely knowledgeable he's had a, a massive impact on venturi and motorsports and how they've progressed and excelled as a, a company here the last couple of years and um you know kevin and i have a, a good relationship off the track i think we have a, a strong a strong friendship and, and even on the track we we seem to kind of even each other out a little bit i think um and and that's important. I think the, the chemistry that we have and the balance that we have uh, is what's helped us be successful together. And, and I'm looking forward to, to getting to work on that 20 races this year. Okay. Uh, and and we have Sal Segala with us. Uh, I know you know Sal, and, and he's our co-host here on our Monday night show. So, Sal, take it away. <laughs> Michael, congratulations on a dominating win. Gosh, you know what? First of all, it's great to see you back in the series again. I know towards the end of the season, you know, you know the, you know, as far as what you're going to do this year, was kind of up in the air. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it, and um, it is great to be back. I, I, uh, you know, there was a little bit of uncertainty there at the end of last year, what um, was going to happen this year. But fortunately, over the off season, we were um, able to work on on a couple of things and. Toyota and Sinclair were both able to step up and figure a couple things out together to make this this deal uh, come together full time here, kind of at the last minute. And uh, I just couldn't be more excited to have another shot at an ARCA Menard Series championship, and especially this year with with NASCAR being on board. Um, a couple changes, some schedule changes. Really excited about some of the tracks we get to go back to. Um, some of them old favorites of mine, and and just the schedule I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, you know what? That's what that was one thing I was going to ask you about. Which you know, I I know it's still too early in the season. You know, with NASCAR taking over the ARCA series, but I guess as we get to the mid, more middle of the season, you know, I guess you'll have a better idea. You know, or gauge, you know, some of the changes they made if they're for the good, you know, if they're for the bad, or you know what, if if they were, you know, you know, basically, you know, where where where, uh, you know, where NASCAR sits with ARCA. Yeah, I, I think um, so far, you know, one thing I was really impressed with this past weekend is the the media that, that NASCAR bought. You know, we had some great um, coverage just outside of the FS1 coverage. It was awesome to have MRN covering our race. You had reporters from The Athletic, um, from from NBC, from, you know, all sorts of, of different outlets down there. That's, that's, that's a really big deal for a guy like me uh, with a sponsor like Sinclair to get them as much coverage and exposure from those national outlets as possible. Um, and NASCAR bought that, and I think um, from an organization standpoint, the weekend went went extremely smoothly. You know, you, I think you had the professionalism of Ron and those guys, and what they've always bought to the ARCA series with with the 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 company that NASCAR brings, um, having a little bit more personnel and some more helping hands. And and I'm excited going forward. It seems like they've really thought this through, and there's a lot of focus from both parties in making this a, a really great. Um, combined series between the Arca Menard series, the the Arca East and Arca West series. 
you know, and, and um, fighting sponsors, you know, we had talked about this last year, you know, you know, when it comes to fighting sponsors, you know, you always go, you know, and you, you know, you look for your own sponsors, you know, and, you know, that, that's, that's what's made you different from a lot of the other drivers, you know, is, you know, they have a huge marketing team behind them. Now bringing Sinclair oil into NASCAR, which is run by Sunoco, was there any, any kind of a little conflict or is there something that had to be talked about before the season started? Cause I know like with the, um, with like with the monster energy supercross series, all the other energy drinks, they're not allowed to walk the, you know, to walk the pits with their, um, with the shirts, they have to cover up the shirt unless it's monster energy. So Red Bull, um, you know, uh, 5150 and any of the other energy drinks, they have to stay low key away from the, you know, away from the series sponsor. Yeah. So no problem there, there for us in the ARCA series. Um, but I don't know if I've told you guys before, you know, that is an issue with the, the national series, the truck Xfinity and cup series. Um, Sunoco does have exclusivity rights up there, which uh, unfortunately I think that's, you know, kind of a shame. I think that's a little bit of a mistake. Um, you know, sponsorship is just incredibly hard to come by right now. And I applaud Sunoco. They're putting a lot of money into NASCAR and they have for years, but at some point we've all got to take a step back and look at the, the sport as a whole in the industry as a whole and realize that sponsorship is just getting harder to come by. And so in, in my opinion, things like exclusivity clauses shouldn't be in place. You shouldn't be turning away some of the, the fortune 500 companies out there that fit right along with the, the demographic that is NASCAR racing fans. You know, you've got fans that drive hundreds of miles to get to these races. Well, when they drive those races, they, they use gas, they use tires um, they're going to have their preferred gas companies and, you know, that's, that's uh, brands that they want to see in the sport. And I think those brands are the ones that are, that are likely to spend money and spend advertising dollars in the industry. And so I'm hoping that that'll change at some point. Um, it, it's, I think, frankly, it's, it's going to have to, um, as you start seeing more sponsors step away and, and the need for more sponsors to come in. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, Sinclair and I will still be around if, and if, and when that happens. Yeah. You know, the, and, and actually the only reason I asked you was because like I said before, you know, when it comes to getting sponsorship, you know, you, Michael self is the the one that goes out and gets a sponsorship. Now back to the race. I have, I have a question about the race. This, this win at Daytona, um, you know, you know, it being, you know, now that, you know, NASCAR Arkham Menard series, you know, like you said, you know, you had all the, all the media from NASCAR there. So of course, you know, the media, uh, you know, visibility was a lot more. What did this win, where does it stack up against all your other wins? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I think anytime you win anything at Daytona, it's, it's right there at the top. I would say that, um, the first time I won Daytona, I actually told some people earlier this weekend uh, that the first time I won Daytona was probably the highlight of my racing career up to this point. Just something I never um, would have would have dreamed of doing. So now to have won it twice, you know, I'd have to say those two races are right there at the top. Probably uh, probably above when I when I won Iowa uh, back in 2013 in the East West Combo race for the K and N. You know, that's a that's a very close uh, number three to these two races. Um, in terms of ones that are wins that I'm proud of and that, that I think really really meant something. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention that Iowa race. That Iowa race was really I mean for you to win the combo race like that and especially the you know the drivers that were running east that season. I mean it was a huge win. I mean it, and it really put Michael Self on the you know on the forefront you know you know of up and coming racers at that time. And with that I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon. 
Michael, I, I'm, I've got a question here about your crew chief once again. Uh, you made some really interesting points with regard to the relationship that you have with Kevin Reed uh, and the fact that he's worked with you with select races previously. Is he going to work with you on just select races this season, or is he going to be your crew chief the entire season? No, Kevin Kevin and I are together full-time this year for all 20. Okay, that's that's really good news. Okay, uh, and I wanted to get into uh, the, your schedule this year because there's uh, a few changes from what we've seen in the past. You've got the showdown where you're going to have drivers from the east and the west maybe joining you in some of those races uh, where we were just talking about how uh, the combo race uh, that you won a few years back, uh, I think it was just once or twice for the season, uh, now you've got 10 opportunities for three series to kind of come together. What are your thoughts about that? I think that's great. I think that's, that's exactly what this level of racing needs. It's, it's no secret that they're, you know, when the Canaan East series last year was going to Dover and having, having 14 cars, that's not a good thing. There, there had to be a remedy for that. Um, you know, when Arco was going, to some of these tracks and having similar 16 cars, you know, that we, we want more than that. Even as racers, we want more competition than that. We want something that's going to, that's going to draw fans and um, draw, draw viewers for our sponsors. And so hopefully this year that those, some of those, those 10 races I think are going to be completely stacked. I mean, let's look at Phoenix here in a couple of weeks, you, you know, you're going to have a lot of the guys from out West. You're going to have all the McAnally cars there practicing for, for their points race there that's at the end of the year. You're going to get a lot of the East guys coming out there for the showdown race and, and all the Arkham and Arge guys. So there's no reason to think that, you, that we won't have 30 cars there with 15 to 17 of those cars being super competitive. Um, I'm hoping that it just goes back to kind of what the K&N series once was years ago, um, like with the, the K&N East and, and West combo race there at Iowa that Sal and I were talking about. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that kind of car car count with that kind of competitive field. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to draw a lot of people having all three series come together for those ten races, and in essence, it gives twenty races to the Arkham Menard schedule as well as the East and the West schedule because they have their own ten races plus the ten showdown races. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, and, and I'm uh, I, I'm excited that we still get to keep the big tracks on the schedule. You know, I know that Charlotte, Michigan, um, some of those places may not have, have quite the car counts that some of the short tracks do, but those are some of my fa- favorite places to race. Um, and so I think we're getting, getting a lot of really good things this year. Absolutely. Now I know we're coming up on uh, the end of our time here with you. Uh, I want to give you a chance to do any shout outs that you want to make uh, before we let you go. And if there's any other points you want to make sure we uh, mentioned here tonight before we let you go. Well, you guys know that Sinclair has just been a great sponsor for me uh, for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I'm so fortunate to have them back on board. And uh, also Toyota, what, what they've done um, helping me out and helping us over at Venturini Motorsports with the resources they give us. You know, it's, it's incredibly impressive what Toyota does for racing and, and for young drivers like myself and for the teams all around, you know, or honored to be a part of that adventure in motorsports and um, to have, have a good team this year as a whole, the guys in the shop, everyone working on the cars, all the crew chiefs over at Venturini. We're, we're really excited about what this year is going to bring. And um, hopefully we'll see you guys at Phoenix in a couple of weeks. 
Okay. Well, I'll definitely see you sometime throughout the season, uh, but I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out to Phoenix. How about you, Sal? You know what? I'll be I'll be on my honeymoon for Phoenix. Oh, that's right. Well, there, there you go. That, that's a little more important. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting married in, in this weekend, and then we're taking off to Paris. So um, good, good for you. Yeah, you know what? I, I had to miss. I had to miss the Canon. Well, the Canon. I had to miss the Arca Menards West opener also in Vegas. Gotcha. Well, uh, Michael, again, congratulations on your victory this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. I know that's a big one. We're looking forward to the rest of the 2020 season and uh, your journey uh, toward that championship. We hope it all works out for you. And uh, we hope to talk to you somewhere down the road here uh, throughout the season. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care now. You guys, too. Goodbye. Okay, that is Michael Self, uh, the winner this weekend at Daytona International Speedway for Venturini Motorsports. And uh, Michael always gives us uh, great uh, information when we talk with him uh, after winning a race. Uh, I've got a sneaky feeling we'll probably be talking to him quite a bit this season, but I'm going to see if we can't get Kevin Reed to come on as well, especially with him working with Michael for the entire season. Yeah, it'd, it'd be uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get him on, and also to uh, I and I've, I've talked to Kevin Reed Jr. He's back with uh, he's back in NASCAR again. So you know he had that little issue last year where he got in a, he got his hand slapped a little bit, but um, uh, I talked to him. He's 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 willing to come come back on. He's willing to come on the show too. Who's who's working with um, oh, awesome. with Haiti this year? Yeah, and then okay. uh, also also uh. Um, Eric Holmes was one of the spotters. So, I mean, we, we, we got some good people. We got Tony Uri Jr. coming up also in the middle of the season sometime with uh, Fury Race mm-hmm. Cars. And uh, that's that's really going to be really good. So uh, Okay, I'm watching yeah, here. Yeah, this, this was I'd great. Real quick, I want to give an update on the Arkham and Art Series East Race. Uh, they're on lap 133 of 175. Derek Griffiths is still leading that race. Uh, and right behind him is Sam Mayer. It looks like uh, there's some really dicey racing uh, going on here. You've got Griffith, Mayer, Ty Gibbs, Diaz, and Gray are your top uh, five drivers right now in that race. There's still some more racing to go here, um, about uh, maybe 20 more laps here to go in the uh, Arkham Menard Series East Race at New Smyrna Speedway. Big week at New Smyrna this week, Sal. Yeah, it's uh, you know what it's it's like this every week. This, actually, this is what they call speed weeks, you know, which is right before the big Daytona race. So they run races like for the whole week. They're running late models, they're running pro lates, they're running modifieds, and uh, you know it's just it's a uh, it's it's a huge it's a huge event, you know, that leads up to the um, you know leads up to the at the Daytona 500 right down the street at New, New Smyrna Speedway. And um, one of these years, I'd like to attend the speed weeks, you know, at New Smyrna. I've been in New Smyrna before for the Governor's Cup, but I've never been to speed weeks. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good racing going on. And then, of course, you know, the East the East always makes their last, their first stop there at New Smyrna, you know, to close out um, the whole mm-hmm. speed weeks thing. And then we get into our Daytona, you know, to the duels and, you know, and everything else, you know, has to do with the 500, which is coming up this weekend. So 
Um, a lot, right. lot of good racing. A lot of good racing. It is. You already started with. If you have not seen one of these races, you definitely want to tune in this year. You can get a track pass at uh, uh, as a NASCAR NBC Sports Gold. Uh, you can check that out at their website. And it will be, the, the delayed broadcast will be on NBC Sports Network again this year. The broadcast for tonight's show is actually uh, coming up this Friday, uh, February the 14th at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on NBC Sports Network. I tell you that so you can set your DVRs if you're at work and uh, catch that race at your convenience. Uh, I've been watching it throughout the evening here. It's a really dicey race, uh, some good door-to-door action, and uh, it's a do-not-miss event. Uh, Derek Griffith took the pole. He is currently leading, but Sam Mayer is challenging, so we'll see what happens at the what, end what, of this race. Where's it at? Go ahead. It's what at Smyrna. It oh, it's I know. On, uh, I'm watching it on Sports Gold. Oh, it's I got like the track pass cable channel. Sports Gold. Right, okay. right. It's it's part of their sports package. Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> exciting. Uh, it's an exciting race <laughs> I'm to a, watch. I'm a, poor, so. I, I'm a poor Hispanic in Los Angeles, California. I can afford to, to pay extra to watch a race, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've also put a couple <laughs> feelers out there for people that I know are at that race tonight in hopes that we can get the winner uh, to make a cameo appearance here on Fan for Racing Radio tonight. Uh, Whether or not that works out, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, we're going to try to see if we can't get somebody to come on uh, from this race. Oh, my God, they're really bumping and banging here. So this is an exciting race. Sharon, Um, you're you're teasing me now. I know, I know. Oh, man. I can't see it. Daniel Dye is having a rough night. He just got sidetracked here again. Uh, but uh, you've got to set your DVR, Sal, for this Friday. Uh, I know you're going to have a busy day that day, but set the DVR to catch this one. Um, and, uh, again, we're going to try to get somebody from the racetrack on the show here tonight. Uh, so uh, if it's not the winner, uh, we might get somebody else. But uh, we'll keep you posted on you that. Know, I know. You know what? And, Go and, ahead. And, you know what? And, and actually, I could do that because I have AT&T. And AT&T, they give me free DirecTV because I have DirecTV with AT&T. So mm-hmm. because they give me, they let me stream for free on my phone. So what I could do is anything that I record that's on my playlist, I can watch it. So this mm-hmm. way, I could watch it on the plane, on the way on our honeymoon, oh, and I'll go. be able to watch the race. <laughs> oh, so this is a good one. This besides... is a good one. <laughs> this has been a pretty exciting race all night. Uh, they're now on lap 145. They're in caution for for uh, that situation with Daniel Dye. Uh, the guys are going around. The top five remain the same. Uh, with um, uh, uh, Derek Griffith leading uh, Sam Mayer in second. Uh, I believe it is uh, Ty Gibbs in third place, and I'm waiting for it to kind of come back around here to give you the the fourth and fifth place. I know Tanner Gray was 
fifth when I looked at it before. It's Mason Diaz in that fourth place. So Griffith, Mayer, Gibbs, Diaz, and Gray are your top five drivers in this race at lap 145. So uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll continue to provide you some updates. If you have not seen this race uh, tonight uh, on, um, on uh, the Sports Gold, uh, definitely set your DVRs for uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time on NBC Sports Network to catch that. Now, Sal, I know you want to talk a little bit here, too, about uh, the Supercross. Uh, what's going on with Supercross? Give us some updates there. Yeah, you know, we, we we started our season at Anaheim, which, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. And I got to thank you, Sharon, for, you know, for getting me the, uh, you know, the, the credentials for Anaheim 1 and 2. But um, I, I think the big story has to be uh, has to be Ken Roxon, who's um, who's who's leading the points right now. Um, uh, he he did win the second race, which was at um, gosh I can't remember what city it was at, but anyways, uh, you know we're um, we're looking at a very another very exciting season. So so for those of you who uh, who are Supercross fans, you know you can tune in and and I did a story on it, and as the season goes on, I'm, I'm going to be doing more stories and yeah, giving you guys the um, you know where they're racing at, but they 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 do show the races on on cable TV, and uh, hopefully within the next one of the next few races we'll be able to get Sean Brennan back on, and he'll be able to explain more about really what's going on with, with the Supercross. But um, I'll tell you, it, it's really a, a neat series to watch, a lot of action, a lot of excitement, and um, I think the big story this year is Ken Roxon after two years ago having a real bad accident in Anaheim and making the comeback and and it, it it's up there with one of the greatest sports, you know, as far as um, coming back from injuries. Um, he was busted up pretty good and didn't look like he would, he would ever ride a bike again. And, you know, he made, took him a year to recover and he came back at this series when he races again. So um, as, like I said, as the season goes on, you know, we'll have a little bit more information and then, uh, you know, hopefully you'll know, be able to put a schedule out, you know, so you can watch it. And it's, uh, it's, it's free to watch on cable TV. And I, I know we have some Supercross fans out there. So uh, just, um, you know, something to look forward to as the season goes. And that's it. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Um, now I, I, uh, and I appreciate you taking time to kind of give us that update, Sal, because, uh, you're right. There's a lot of Supercross fans out there and, uh, we want to continue to provide updates on that series, uh, and maybe even get some of those guys, uh, here on the show as well. So, uh, definitely, uh, stay tuned here on Banfor Racing Radio, uh, for the entire, uh, 2020 season. Also, uh, let me just mention that uh, uh, we've got a couple of things that are going to be a little bit different this year on Fan for Racing. Uh, we already have the new uh, promo page uh, for our radio show. We put that out on social media, Twitter and Facebook today. Uh, so uh, if you're followers of Fan for Racing site on Facebook and Fan for Racing blog and radio on, on uh, Facebook, uh, then you'll see that you'll see that new promo. Uh, also, uh, one of the things that we're thinking about doing, Sal, this year is having a race day chat feature uh, where we can engage some of the fans uh, throughout the race and give some of the highlights uh, about the race uh, during the race. So um, we're going to kind of take turns hosting that uh, between our Fan for Racing crew here uh, but we hope you'll take part in that with us uh, sometime throughout the season. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty neat. It's, you know, it sounds you know you know any any time you can get the listeners involved, you know, in a you know in a discussion, you know, especially you know, mm-hmm. while the race is going on, you know, because there's a lot of stuff going on during the race, you know, and you know a lot of people you know, have their input, you know, like you know like with the you know with the, with the for example, just not getting into it, but just with that, what happened with the Bush Clash, you know, mm-hmm. this you know this past you know this past weekend, you know, and everything that went on with that, of, of course, and then. You know some of the other stories. You know that came in from the Arca Menards, from the Arca, Arca series race this weekend, and then of course you know mm-hmm. we have we got the we got the um, the duels. You know that on Thursday, and we're going to look forward Coming to up it Thursday. Uh, on Thursday. Yeah, and then of course you know the 500. You know which is going to be uh, looks like it's going to be a pretty good race, and uh, they're running pretty fast for the for the. Uh, for the clash. So, I mean, we got, we got a lot going on and, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear, you know, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that you're imp- implementing different, you know, different things, you know, into, you know, into the program, you know, into the, into the, actually into the website itself, you know, it's well, all right. stuff. Just a remember, note about that too, Yeah. Just a real quick listen, note about it's, that. It's for you guys. Yeah. Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is for all of our listeners that we're doing these things. Uh, uh, the website, by the way, is down right now. I cannot access the admin panel. We've got GoDaddy uh, technicians working on uh, resolving, I guess there's multiple issues right now at the website. So they told me there's, it's going to take 72 hours uh, to resolve some of those issues. So that's why uh, we did not post anything at fanforracing.com. Uh, for tonight's show, we will in the future, but tonight we were unable to do that because of the issues that are taking place. Uh, again, hopefully that will be resolved within the 72-hour time frame that GoDaddy gave me, and uh, we'll be back in action at our website as well. And speaking of that, uh, our uh, fan racing crew member, Andy Lasky, well, first of all, Sam Bornhorst is going to continue to give previews, I mean, sorry, reviews, recaps of the races, uh, the, the cup races throughout the season. I've got a recap from him on the clash. Uh, again, we'll post it as soon as we can at fanforacing.com, but he'll do that all season long. And also, Andy Lasky, Sal, is going to pick up a Hot Topics uh, segment at fanforacing.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, at our during our segment on uh, Mondays and Thursdays, during our hot topic segments, sometimes we run out of time to catch all of the hot topics. So we thought uh, Andy can pick up some of the overflow on that and put it in the form of a blog at fanforacing.com. So watch for that this season as well. Uh, I know he's looking at trying to get getting something up uh, this Friday, uh, so you can keep an eye out for that as well. Cool. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like we're going to have a really, really good, exciting season this year. And, uh, you know, looking forward to the, you know, to what, you know, the rest of the season comes, you know, not only that, but with the racing and, you know, and everything else that, um, you know, the season gets, you know, as we start getting Absolutely. more and more into racing, you know. We've got you covering Supercross. We've got, and I know you go to other races throughout the season. We've got uh, James Bickford who comes on board every now and then to kind of help fill in 
when needed. Uh, Jay Huseman is still going to co-host the preview show. You're co-hosting the Monday night show, which is the review show. And uh, we've just got a lot of activity from all of our members, all of our fan for racing crew this season. It makes me very happy, and we hope it makes our fans happy as well. Uh, and any of the fans from NASCAR or the Arkham Menard Series, uh, Supercross, they're all going to love what we're doing at Fan for Racing. Uh, Dot com this season. I, I'm hoping. Uh, let us know your thoughts of anything else that you'd like to see, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, then we're probably going to start dabbing into it. some more NHRA again this year too. Uh, um, Elon cool. Warner is back with uh, with another team, so um, I got to reach out to Elon and you know ask him about you know getting some of his uh, getting some of his drivers on the on the show as well as uh well actually Richie Crampton lost his ride this year but I talked to Richie last year and he said he, anytime we want to get him on to go ahead and uh to go ahead and send yeah. him an email he said to Richie he said he would love to come on and talk some NHRA with us but uh that's awesome so yeah so I mean you yeah know, we've had him on the show before so yeah it'd be great to have really, him come back oh yeah Okay, now there was just a wreck. The number 17 car uh, just kind of went into the wall sideways, if you will. Uh, And uh, I'll check here to see who that is. Uh, The number 17 car is driven by Tanner Gray. That's too bad. He was up in the top five there. Uh, So I I didn't quite see what precipitated that uh, incident. Uh, But, you can again, you'll be able to catch that on NBC this Friday. Um, but, uh, and the number 25 car is also involved in that incident. Uh, the 25 car is driven by, I'll tell you here in just a second. I should know this, but I want to make sure Mason Diaz is driving the number 25 car. Both of those guys were in the top five. Uh, the top five now include Sam Mayer in the lead, Ty Gibbs in second, Max McLaughlin is third. Nick Sanchez is fourth right now, and Stephen Nassi is in that fifth position. It, it's uh, let me oh, take a man. look. They may be changed. not not Nassi. Nassi. Yeah, it was a bad wreck. It was a bad wreck. So was was um, Nassi involved? Definitely. Huh? Was Nassi involved? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see what precipitated it. I know Nassie is uh, in fifth place right now. Uh, they're was, on lap 153. I don't if know. I didn't see it. If he was close to it, it then it was probably. Oh, okay. I was gonna say if he was close to it, then I, I would say it was Na- it was Nassie that. Uh, well, that, we'll um, have to wait and see. But Sam Mayer, I said very early in this race that he's one to watch. In this race, uh, he was coming on very strong in the Canon Pro Series East last year uh, and uh, ended up uh, uh, as the champion. So uh, I'd say definitely keep your eye on Sam Mayer this entire season. Uh, and uh, I look for him to have a good run here at New Smyrna for the remainder of this race. Um, I'm looking to see if there's any changes. They keep updating just to kind of go on down the list. Tristan Van Weeringen, a lot of you know Dominique. Uh, they're in the race this week. Uh, Corey Heim is in seventh place. Giovanni Bramanti in eighth. Chase Cabre, we all know Chase Cabre from uh, uh, Rev Racing. He's uh, in that ninth place spot. 
and um, they're updating again, so I'll give it to you here in just a second. <laughs> uh, and in 10th place is Jesse Love from the 19 car. So a lot of really good racing uh, happening. Uh, there are actually a lot of drivers entered in this race, 23 drivers on the entry list here uh, for the Skips Western Outfitters 175 at New Smyrna Speedway tonight. Uh, they're still under caution, so they're they're still working on getting these cars uh, off the track here. But uh, uh, really uh, <laughs> exciting. So now yeah, I just want to exciting. mention you. Yeah, you can go if you want to see the running order. You can go to the race center at ArcaRacing.com for the Arca Menard Series East. And they do have the running order posted there if you want to keep an eye on that. Um, Sports Gold, again, if you get the uh, subscription for Track Pass at Sports Gold for NBC Sports Network, you can actually watch the action live. Uh, Right now they're putting sand over the oil on the track uh, from this incident that just took place. And uh, they're under caution. There's a lot of lights, and uh, it looks like it's red flagged. Uh, right now, the cars are stopped on the track and while well, they do the cleanup uh, from this incident. What I saw was the number 17 car uh, of Tanner Gray on its side up against the wall. So you know that was a pretty um, big incident there uh, that took place. So uh, definitely um, check that out. Okay, Sal, any other updates you want to make sure we give? No, those, I mean, just, I mean, besides the, you know, the Bush, the the Bush clash, you know, that we just seen. Um, okay. That we just seen this past weekend, you know, uh, boy, what a race. What a race. <laughs> Typical. Uh, I'm, I'm. Typical, what you say, a typical uh, Daytona, but it was worse. Gosh, we only have, what, four or five cars finish the race? Uh, Well, yeah, the clash. Did you see the clash? Yeah, I seen it. That clash race. It was a bar burner, (laughs) I'll tell you that. Uh, That clash race was a big race because, you know, it was pretty much a matter of attrition. I think there were six cars. Uh, at the end of that race, uh, and everybody else was pretty much out of it. Well, I mean, they, the second and last restart, they couldn't even get the restart right. Um, yeah, say that again, Sal. I, I said the second to the last restart, they couldn't even get that right. They all got oh, wanted up. well. Everybody got uh, wrecked up again. Yeah, it, it was it was a pretty amazing race. Uh, if you didn't see the clash, you want to catch that on replay, uh, on demand. If you have that through your cable provider, uh, it's it's uh, it was a pretty uh, amazing race. I know uh, Brad Keselowski was not happy with his teammate. Uh, um, Joey Logano, he had some things to say about uh, Tony or about uh, uh, Joey Logano. Did you catch that, Sal? Yeah, he was. Uh, 
he was pretty straight up forward about it. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't blame him, you know, for being upset. I mean, you know, that, you know, the move that Joey made, you know, was, wasn't really the, you know, the best of moves, you know, especially at the time that he made it, you know, he could have waited a little longer. He could have been a little bit, you know, a bit more patient and, uh, you know, but then of course, you know, the first thing that comes up with it, with that is, you know, is the history between him and Kyle Bush. And I know Kyle wasn't, Kyle also voices opinion, you know, about, you know, what he thought, you know, he just didn't really uh-huh. say what he felt, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of it is because, you know, it, it's a, uh, um, I think it's because of the, uh, you know, the fact that they're using what their third back, second backup car or something like that for that race is what they're yeah. announcing, you know, you know, so, I mean, but still, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you, they, they want to win, you know, everyone's out there to win, but I, I didn't, I didn't think that was a very good move by Joey and, or either by Chase Elliott towards the end either, you know, Chase was a little bit too aggressive himself and, uh, but, you know, that's, you know, I guess in the end, they say that's all part of the racing. Okay. It, it is. And and I know there was some commentary that uh, some of the teams were going to be sending another backup car uh, sometime this week for the, the weekend of racing. Uh, not all the teams are going to be able to do that. Some of the drivers, like Kevin Harvick, brought an extra backup car, so he had a total of three cars at the track. Uh, so he's not too worried about it. But some of these other drivers uh, lost their backup car for the Daytona 500. And keep in mind, they've got the duels on Thursday as well that they've got to contend with. So uh, that's put a little bit different twist into this whole thing as well. So uh, something for fans to be aware of uh, heading into this coming weekend. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's going to be interesting on how the how the drivers, especially the ones you know that that are without a backup car, you know how they're going to handle the, you know the race. You know, I mean, they're going to have to be a little bit more, um, more, uh, you know, how do you say what's would be the best for to say a little bit? I mean, you really can't say safe because it's usually you're not the you're not the problem it's you know it's the other drivers you got to watch for so i mean they're really going to have to be careful out there you know and try to save their whatever they have Mhm. yeah yeah that's true uh but you know that that i think causes some of these drivers to have to be a little more careful with their car on the track so they're gonna they're gonna race a little bit differently uh because they don't have their premier backup tr- car uh available uh, which is the car that they ran in that clash that perhaps got wrecked. So, uh, yeah, it's going to put a whole new dynamic to the racing, I think, over the weekend. Yeah, it is. It's, it's um, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I know the reason they do it is for the fans, but I, I, I think even with, with this being the first race of the season, they, they, uh, Daytona 500, you know, I, I, I think they just need to go just to a normal, to, to you know normal qualifying you know what they do the rest of the season you know what because i mean you know these guys are chancing you know messing up cars you know wrecking cars and stuff like mm-hmm. that you know and uh you know i i just don't think you know i mean do the drivers really like it or don't they like it you know was that i mean i mean i know that's a question that's been asked before and you know there's all these mixed emotions back and forth 
you know, on the Yeah, on, it comes down opinion, to the blocking. You know, you know some people uh, you, some people felt that Joey Logano and some other drivers, it wasn't just Joey, by the way, uh, that maybe they tried blocking too many times. I know some of the commentators were saying uh, you can get by with blocking maybe a couple of times, but when you try to do it three times, something's going to happen, and that's what happened uh, in, in some of those cases. So, uh, you know, maybe NASCAR needs to put a limit on how many times you try to block. I don't know. I hate to see NASCAR get involved again. And I'm sure this is going to be one of the topics that we bring up on Hot Topics tonight at 10 o'clock as well. But um, uh, the drivers, you know, kind of shake their head. Everybody's kind of shaking their head at just what a massacre it was and how many cars were wrecked out of that race. Uh, saying that we've got to do something, but really it's in the driver's hands uh, if they need to do something. It's not uh, a result of the format. It's a result of what the drivers are doing on the track uh, that's causing that kind of attrition. So what are your thoughts about that, Sal? You know, I, it was amazing. I mean, <clears throat> what when you think about it, what really can NASCAR do? I mean, you know, it took them all right. these years to finally say, you know what, if you're caught cheating – post-race we're going to take the win away you know it took them all these years so i mean where where do you find where's the fine line at you know on if on if somebody is blocking too much or if it was, or if it was really a block or if maybe the other driver moved up because that's what you know they kept going back and forth you know of course kyle kyle didn't move up you know we've seen joey move down you know for the block you know because you know already blocked previously but then you know where does it you know you know, who, who's going to make that? Who's, who from NASCAR is going to want to make that call and be the bad guy? You know, if somebody's blocking exactly. too much, especially if it's, you know, especially if it's for a win, you know, do you, we're racing for the win, you know, what are we supposed to, you know, you know, what are we supposed to, you know, stay away from each other, you know, and, you know, you got five laps left, you know, and you're blocking, you're trying to, you're trying to hold your position, you know, or was it the other guy's fault that's behind you because he was too aggressive, you know, and I mean, you know, it's a, it's a fine line. We I see that in short track racing all the time, you know, and 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 any time a driver gets penalized, it it's never a good thing for race control for whoever's calling the race mm-hmm. because they're the ones that mm-hmm. end up hearing it. They're the they're the ones that end up hearing it. You know, we've seen it. Mm-hmm. We've seen it the snowball derby. You know, and 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 it was hor- it was a horrible it was a horrible call against Derek. You know, and and everybody on social media went nuts over it. But you, you, that was only snowball derby. Now you do this on a big stage like NASCAR Cup race, you know. And and I mean, you already see the way social media is, you know, with with any any call that's not made. And if you make a bad call, it's like you know, you know, hell's gonna freeze over. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I, I hate to put that kind of stuff in the hands of NASCAR. I'd rather see it be in the hands of the NASCAR drivers. Uh, but I, I thought it was kind of funny to see all the drivers kind of shaking their head about the attrition this week. Uh, but, uh, again, it's frustration with other drivers, I'm sure, when they're doing that. But it's in the driver's hands how much attrition there is and, uh, you know, how they're going to race each other. And I think they kind of think the the clash is an opportunity to kind of test their car and test themselves 
on the track at Daytona as they prepare for the duels and the and the Daytona 500. Uh, but you know, if you wreck your car and you don't have it as a backup for the upcoming races, uh, you end up uh, kind of shortchanging yourself in that case. So I think the drivers really have to do the rethinking on that and how they want to race the clash. Uh, it puts on, a, I guess you would call it an exciting, it's not my kind of racing. I don't like crash fest races. Uh, I like to watch them race on the track. But some fans like that sort of thing. They like to see the crashes. And if, if, they, if, you, if you're a fan that likes that, then they put on a good show in that regard. But um, for for some of us, we we like to really see them actually racing door to door, and racing each other on the track uh, for the entire event. So it'll be you interesting. know, Sharon, and, uh, and, yeah. and 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 it's amazing when you look at the percentages of fans that want to see a wreck. And you know what? And I'll tell you, being a photographer, us photographers are guilty of the same thing because. I mean, if we go to like Vegas where they just where they're running single file, you know, a little bit of passing here and there, you know, after a while, it gets, you know, you kind of get bored out there. But then when when they when you get to like Daytona and Talladega, you know, where they're flipping and stuff like that, those are the pictures that are winning awards nowadays. I mean, I mean, look at the NMPA. Amazing. And um, and and you know what? I'm serious. It, it's 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 not the pictures that are winning awards. Isn't side by side racing two guys rubbing against each other? It's the guy that mm-hmm. that stuffed the guy into the wall and knocked him five feet in the air, and then you got mm-hmm. you know seven eight cars crashing and fire and sparks. That's what's winning the award. So that's what the I mean, sad to say, but you know, <laughs> photographers are just as mm-hmm. guilty of it. And I know I'll probably I'll probably hear it. I'll probably start getting text messages. You know, but I mean. You know, it's well. Just to I give mean, an update here, Sal, on the race uh, that's taking place at New Smyrna, they're still under a red flag. They're actually right now repairing uh, the uh, um, what do you call that? The catch fence. The catch. Uh, yeah, I, I, I seen the picture. Yeah, they're I repairing the, picture the catch 17 fence. Seventeen car right up now. on the fence. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's why it's still under red flag, so I don't have any updates there uh, other than that. But I do want to get into, Sal, give us a lead-up into our next guest. Uh, He's going to be on here in the next couple of minutes. Yeah, our next guest is, is, you know, he's been on, you know, many times before. It's it's Derek Thorne, you know, from Campbell Motorsports. Um, Derek had a really good three-race run, you you know, ending the season last year. In Vegas, winning a race, you know, that has kind of eluded him, which was the, you know, the final race of the season. But the um, one of the sponsors of the race, Retro uh, Metals, he makes this custom trophy, and it's like, I don't know, four feet tall. It's made out of copper, and and this trophy is heavy. It's nice. Everybody wants a trophy. And then he had, he throws in an extra ten thousand dollars for the win. And this race every year has eluded Derek, and he finally he finally got that win. And then, um, of course, you know, going into the Snowball Derby, he got the Snowflake win. And then, yeah. uh, and then going going into to the you know bringing the showdown back to Erndale, he won this race two weeks ago. So it was a it was a good little stretch there. And with that, we want to welcome Derek to the show. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hey, thanks for having me on. So, gosh, it's been a we were just talking, you know, a little bit about the, you know, your, you know, your three race run, you know, that you've had, you know, what's, you know, what's some big wins stuffed in there. And, uh, 
you know, fi- finally getting, you know, some recognition, you know, from, from some of the fans back east. Yeah, and no, that was, uh, it was a good November, December. You know, it's kind of cool. You grew up racing, you know, and you, your window of racing usually was from, like, April to October. So it's cool to be able to, like, have a whole season, you know, where you start pretty much in January, late January, and you go all the way through December. But to have November and December of last year be as good as it was to us, we were finally able to get that 10,000 win there in Vegas, like you were saying. And to go back to the Derby and have the run and the speed and all that stuff, we just had a good run, a good weekend back there, just kind of – it wasn't really didn't finish off the way we wanted it to, but we almost had a shot, you know, the last couple laps of competing there for for snowball derby glory. But however, the tech official or the race director saw otherwise as far as the way the last caution fell. So the whole weekend up to the derby was great. On the snowflake deal, just a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth the way the snowball ended. Yeah, you know, and you know, and. and you know, it was because I mean, when you guys went down there, you had a, you had a plan, and the plan, it 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 worked out all the way up until, like you said, up until the Derby, and of course, you know, qualifying for the Snowflake, you know, when Augie Grill, you know, came out of nowhere and, um, you know, and, and took the top spot for you. But but when you talk about qualifying for the Derby and the draw you had, it really wasn't one of the best draws. It wasn't actually a draw that anybody wants to draw, you know, to start to qualify for the Derby. But you went out there and Dan. And I mean, you know, you, you set the pace, and uh, nobody, you know, came close to catching you. Uh, Mason, actually, it was Mason Diaz was he races he was racing the pro late um, that weekend with us, and he has he's also has a he's pretty close to the guys at Fury. He came up to me before qualifying, so I was telling him, you know, we didn't have a preferable preferable spot. He's like, you actually probably have one of the best spots. And I didn't really know this, but he was telling me like. I didn't do the data or the research after the fact, but he said the this is before qualifying even happened, right? So he comes up and he's like, well, the last two or three that have qualified in the top three or on the pole have all came, like, within, you know, position eight through 15. So, like, Pensacola is an odd duck. Like, the the the, the, the way that the weather changes, it comes, the humidity comes in and out, and the way the, the sun goes down and the way that the, the temperature changes and stuff, but... He kind of called it. He's like, I think you're going to be in a pretty good spot to go out and qualify. I was like, man, I thought later was better, at least mid-pack. But, you know, to be able to sit on the pole of the Derby, which I thought was one of the better fields we've had in a long time, you know, being there was no actual pit stops, just control cautions. I think they were up in the mid-50s for car count. So to take our 43, come from out west, not run Pensacola all year, and then to be able to sit in front of the field at one of the most prestigious races in the country is a pretty cool feat. You know, and, the and you know, you know, talking, you know, you know, about that, you know, you know, just the whole Derby experience this year, you know, it was, it was a, you know, there was like a, how'd you say it? There's, there's like a different aura, you know, around the team, you know, as far as, you know, you know, with, you know, of course, you know, with, you know, with Mike Keen leading, you know, and then, you know, and then bringing back, you know, the same team, the same team members you guys had last year, you know, and then, um, you know, like I said, you know, it just seemed like the team had a whole different um, outlook this year, you know, and I mean, it was just a, it was an outlook of just fire and, you know, we're going to, we're going to set this place on fire. You know, we're going to let them know we're here. And I mean, you guys, <laughs> you guys made a, you guys made a statement. Yeah. No, see, racing fixes a lot of things, just having speed. You know, you can show up with the same setup five races in a row at Pensacola, you know, and only two of the five, you know, have the car handle one way and three of the other five will handle completely different. So 
we were Mike Mike and we all do the, the work in the shop, but Mike Keen is so good at what he does. Byron Campbell has given us every tool we need to go fast and you know, that's uh, I've always said always the goal for every race team is to show up, be fast. Speed fixes most things, you know, speed later. But, you know, to have the speed, you know, I think a lot of that a lot of the aura you were saying about the team and stuff like that is I wouldn't say you're able. You're never able to really relax the derby. Every day is a little bit different. You know, we tested Monday. We're really happy with the car. Showed back up on Thursday. We're really unhappy with the car. Like the car was not anything like we tested. Chased it Thursday. Chased it a little bit Friday. And of course, Friday is the most stressful day of the year in racing. Is qualifying day. And you know, I think you know the guys. You know, work so hard throughout the week. And then to have qualifying roll around, and then to have the car be back to where it was on Monday again, you know, it just it took us for an emotional roller coaster. I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Now with that, um, I, I I know we we got the host Sharon. I know she's uh, I know she has some questions for you too. So I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon. Hey Sharon, how's it going? What? It's going great, Derek. You are really taking the momentum from last year and heading right into 2020 with uh, that same momentum uh, revved up here. Uh, Two victories for you, the Snowflake 100 and and then the All-Star Showdown uh, for the SRL Series. Uh, You've got to feel pretty good about your upcoming season. And before you get into that, I want to just say congratulations on both of those victories. Thank you very much. Yeah, we uh, always hope we always hope that you know kicking off a year with a win would help lead to more success. It definitely helps get the monkey off or get I, I guess get the monkey off your back or get maybe some of the the ball rolling in the right direction, however you want to say it. But to have the season kick off like it did, we think we led every practice, qualifying, qualified fast time, and usually when that happens, like you're bound to have something bad happen in the race. Like it's it's always if you have a really good car. Seems like bad luck always seems to rear its ugly head. So to have good luck on our side throughout the entire weekend, you know, it showed that we had the speed, um, consistency as well. And I think hopefully that's just a sign of as the year goes on, you know, all you can ever hope for as a driver, as a team, is to show up and be able to compete for wins, you know, and luck's going to fall where it may. So hopefully we can go to the next few races and, you know, maintain some speed, have the speed, have the luck, and hopefully we can just have the kind of the pieces of the puzzle fall together. Okay. Now, the winter showdown uh, was uh, is at Kern County as well. Uh, did that happen already, or is that going to happen? That's going to happen. That's uh, later in March, actually, March 26th. I think our next race we plan on going to run is uh, it's on a Thursday. It's a, I guess what Vegas would consider their open comp show. They've kind of moved it up about six, eight months. So uh, we're going to go to Vegas on a Thursday on the 20th of this month. And I think Kyle Bush is supposed to be there along with Sammy Smith from the East Coast. And they're supposed to have a 10,000 to win race uh, leading up to Cup Weekend at Vegas. So hopefully we'll move there and, and run competitively and get that behind us and then be able to move on to the Winter Showdown in late March. Yeah, that Winter Showdown, man. I remember when they first started the Winter Showdown, uh, the first the first in the series here. Uh, that has just really become pretty phenomenal, and I would say it's on par with the the uh, snowball derby as far as yeah, and quite, it never really quite got the never quite got the luster that the derby had. You know, I think the snowball derby always kind of be in a in a I guess in a category of its own, just because it seems to be the time of year, the prestige behind it, and stuff like that. But 
you know, to have anybody, you know, Kern County Racing Park, uh, Superior Industrial Southwest Tour, Irwindale Speedway, and the Huddleston family, um, there's so many people behind the scenes that put together open shows. You know, that'd be the Derby, the Winter Showdown, Summer Showdown, All-Star Showdown. Those are mostly West Coast races. But there's so much work and money and time and sacrifice that goes into all those. The promoters and the tracks have to put together. So to be able to have, you know, a Winter Showdown in our backyard or the All-Star Showdown in Irwindale and a couple hours away, my hat's off to the promoters and the series directors and the track operators and the track owners that put forth the money and the time, you know, all that stuff that goes on behind the scenes that allows us to go out and race, you know, for that kind of purse, you know, to, to go race for twenty-five or $30,000 um, in today's super late model world is pretty, pretty darn awesome. It, it really is. It really is. Um, I, and I'll tell you what, you know, with even the Arkham Menard Series now has a race out at Phoenix International Raceway this season. Um, and I, I've been thinking about you with that regard as well. Any chance that we might see you at that race? I would say it's slim to none. You know, I, I, I feel oh, like I, uh, I sailed, that ship sailed. And, you know, Brincotti gave me a great opportunity to come back in 2018 and run, you know, for his Canyon program. But, you know, I enjoy I enjoy what we're doing and how we're doing it, you know, with Byron Campbell. Like his opportunity for me to go race with him, you know, super late, I think, will always be uh, where my heart's at. I think the speed, the competitiveness, the, it's just a different different atmosphere than the Canaan series. But, you know, to be able to go race anything anymore, you, you don't – I never say – you try not to never say no because you never know which door might open or which door may shut mm-hmm. and which window may open. So. Um, you know, to have those opportunities to go run the Canyon Series, get to run a few times at Phoenix and, and to follow the whole circuit and stuff like that. But this year is not really shaping up to, to do that again. Well, I'll tell you what, Derek, you certainly have made a name for yourself uh, nationally uh, through the SRL Southwest Touring Series and what you've done at the Snowball Derby um, and with the super late models that, that you've been driving for Campbell Motorsports. And uh, we really appreciate uh, what you're doing and, and coming on the show and, and kind of talking about all that. So uh, I'm going to pass off to Sal again. I know he's probably got a few more questions for you as well. All right. Thanks, Sharon. Derek, going into Irvindale, you know, you know, like you said, you know, you had the, you know, you got fat, you know, all the fast times. And right after qualifying, I remember being in, you know, waiting for all the other cars to qualify and, and, Gosh, I can't remember who you were talking to, and and they and they had mentioned that you know about gosh, you know you know you're gonna, you know sweep the field, and I remember you saying, oh, you know what, every time I think it was Cardinals Vieira, and you told him, you know what, every time <laughs> I have a week like this, you know something always goes wrong. Well, yeah. of course we see, you know everything went good, you know what, it was a good race and everything, but at the very end, you know you know they stuck the trophy in front of her so everybody could see the trophies. You guys went through tech as you, everything you did, you, you know, you see that money sitting there after you win the race and you pass tech and Ricky Brooks gives you the key. We're all over there waiting for you. What was going through your mind as you're opening up that lock to pull all that 25 G's out and, and show all that. <laughs> I was kind of hoping there wasn't a gust of wind coming because some of those twenties were a little bit loose. They weren't, they weren't wrapped up tight. So I was like, well, if a gust of wind comes around, I could take some money. But now to be able to have that, that kind of trophy, you know, in cash, um, to have that go to the team and to have us, you know, be able to kick off the 2020 season. You know, it's kind of a – I've never – I don't know the right words to it. So, like, we're a very competitive group, and this is me just speaking for myself. But, like, when you win a race like that, one, you got to pass the tech, and there's always the, the wave of emotions of winning itself and everything that led up to it. 
But I think the biggest thing is you're just glad you didn't lose. You know, it's that it's that thought of what it feels like to finish second or third in a race like that, which we've been in that those those positions way too many times. Um, you know, when you have those feelings, you're like, man, I just appreciate the fact that this all worked out. Like it's kind of a humbling experience at the time. You know, we're not a big emotional group, but you know, I think to have to have that and to just not finish bridesmaid position again in a race that size. I think is the most overwhelming part of it. You know, the coolest, coolest part about it. You know, in doing the victory lane shots, it was it was good to see uh, Byron and uh, Blake Campbell. You know, get in the pictures. I know, I I know in some of the races in the past, Byron. You know, he's done a few of the victory lane stuff, but he lately he has just kind of stays out. You know, and gives you know the team all the you know the glory. But it was nice to see you know get up there then, especially to see Mike Keane at the, you know, after you got the money, you know, and, you know, to see him get in the, you know, photos, because Mike, as we all know, Mike does not like taking photos <laughs> at all. And, no, uh, we've, and, been and so, I we've been so, we've been so, not say little races, but a lot of tour races, but, you know, I think when we have those special ones in there, it definitely motivates him to, to get in front of the camera a little more. Yeah, and I, I remember you telling him, if, if you don't get in the picture, we're going to stay here all night until you come in and find that he walked over. <laughs> my dad's my dad's the same way, too, man. They're just not photogenic. But you know what? It's funny because I always tell your dad he's the trophy girl for you because when he when you win, uh, you know, I'll tell him, Rick, get in there, get in there. You know, and he doesn't hesitate. You know, he likes, he likes getting in there. And, I mean, I know yeah. he's really super proud dad because he just stands back and just watches. And, and, and you can tell he just he, – he, he loves the crap out of it when you win. For sure. No, he's, he comes to a lot of my races, and you know, it's like a 10, it's probably a 10 hour drive for him to come from Lakeport down to there. And he'll just come down. Sometimes I don't even really talk to him throughout the week, and he'll just come bebopping through the pits. He likes, he likes to drive down there. And, you know, back when I was living in Wisconsin and traveling a little bit on the East Coast, you know, he'd, he'd come showing up to some of the races, and he'd surprise the hell out of me. I, I hadn't seen him in a while, and to have him come rolling in there and to have the support that I've gotten over the years from my mom and dad, you know, it's been. I was super fortunate, you know, and to have such great parents and then to have my parents still be able to come to some of the races and, you know, kind of enjoy it and to have the opportunities Byron have given me, Byron and Carol Campbell. You know, I feel like all the all the years that, you know, they, my parents have sacrificed to try to get me to where I'm at, it's cool to have a little bit of success and everything that happened. You know, and at Byron and Carol, you know, they have a – I mean, they have the most faith in, in your in – you, you know, to the point to where, you know, I mean, well, I guess it's like any DT fan. You know what? They they expect you to win every single race. You know what? Derek cannot finish second or third. He's he's got to win the race. So, just just as a in a nutshell, how did you and Byron come together? You know, you know, with Campbell Motorsports because I know you've been with other teams before. Yeah, so I lived. I was living in Wisconsin in late 2009, I think it was. No, early late 2008. I was driving for a guy out of Wisconsin. Um, the money, you know, the sponsorship I had, I, I didn't have anymore. And um, I came back out. It was, it was Sean Keith was living in L.A., so I was coming back out here to L.A. trying to find some sponsorship to continue running the Canon East and the ASA Late Model Series at the time. We couldn't secure any funding. So at some point in time, I got a hold of a friend of a friend who knew Junior Joiner, who um, he allowed me to come work at his shop just as a fabricator in Bakersfield. So I packed up all my stuff in Wisconsin, headed back west, I figured it'd be one, it's a job. Two, it's closer to, to Lake County where I grew up. Um, in working for Junior, I met a man by the name of Dan Smith, who's kind of a, a staple of Bakersfield and Mesa Marin Raceway from back in the day. And he had a super late model, allowed me to race once or twice. 
and Dan Smith is pretty close with Mike Keen, which is my now crew chief. And at one point in time, uh, Mike and Byron, you know, were looking for somebody to drive their second late model for them at Irwindale. Um, I think the first race, I think I totaled their car out. Like I, I didn't even make like two laps. I got caught up with somebody, turned two wall, destroyed the car. Uh, fast forward a few months, they had a Canyon race. They had a second car they wanted somebody to drive, so they asked me back, thankfully. And I think that was one of the, I think it was the all-star showdown back in 2009. And that kind of kick-started the relationship, and one thing led to another. To another and um, eventually, you know, I worked at Junior Joiner's uh, Motorsports Shop, or shop there for a little bit, and um, ran some SRL races for him and Joe Fare for a bit. And then eventually that just kind of transpired into driving for Byron part-time, and then that kind of transpired into driving, to my, driving for Mike and Byron full-time, and I mean, it's been almost nine years, I think, I've been driving for them. So to have that all come together the way it did, it's just it's just one of those things. I just got really lucky in the timing and everything just worked out perfectly. That is awesome. And with that, Derek, you know, I just want to congratulate you on the, on the three wins, you know, and, you know, and of course, you know, uh, you know, good luck the rest of the season. And uh, I know we'll see you more races this year. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Thanks, Sal. Okay, Derek, uh, that was uh, uh, great to share uh, how you and Campbell Motorsports got together here. Um, right. uh, I want to give you a chance before you before you go, Derek, uh, to do any other shout-outs about your team. I know you, you mentioned your crew chief and, and Byron Campbell, your team owner. Uh, what about sponsors? Oh, we got Santa Maria Brewing Company. Uh, they do an awesome job, H&M Motorsports. We have a... We picked up some Swift Springs this year, uh, Strange Oval Axles, AP Brakes, and Essex Parts um, out of North Carolina. They've been a big supporter of ours. And, and uh, we also got Fury Chassis. Can't forget them. Power Grade Incorporated. We have uh, Double Eagle Transportation, 5150, um, the Carlo, Carlos Vieira, my teammates, uh, Energy Dream Company, and then Race for Autism as well. But I give a shout out. The biggest person deserves a shout out. I'm giving you love to is my wife. You know, she's at home with two kids while we're out having fun at the races. But uh, fortunate to get to do what I do because of our sponsors and Byron and Mike and my wife and even you guys and the media. You know, that make us look good and give us opportunities to to gloat about ourselves when things go well. So for you, for you guys as well, thank you for doing what you do and are doing what you do and allowing us to allowing us some access and build a kind of I guess blast her name across the media when, when the times are good. Well, Derek, you know, we're big fans here, uh, racing fans in general, but we're Derek Thornton fans as well. And uh, we always enjoy catching up with you uh, here on Fan for Racing Radio. So uh, we hope, I, I know you're a busy guy uh, between the racing and the two kids and and your wife, and we certainly thank her for allowing uh, you to uh uh, be on the show here tonight because I know she has her hands full as well. Uh, but uh, uh, we hope this isn't the last time we get a chance to chat with you this season. No, absolutely not. Thank you guys for having me on. If you guys are if you're asking me to be on the show, things I've done something good. So hopefully later this season we'll have continued some good things or some some momentum has been carried on our side. So I guess time will tell. But thank you again and hope to talk to you guys soon. Okay, thanks, Derek, and uh, good luck uh, with the upcoming races here. Thank you very much. Okay, good night. 
All right, that is Derek Thorne with Campbell Motorsports from the SRL Southwest Touring Series. Uh, uh, He's become quite a big name in racing when it comes to the super late models, Sal. Yeah, you know what? He's he's finally getting the recognition that he's deserved. You know, what it is is, you know, short track racing, you know, everything is, you know, back east, you know, because, you know what, they – and it's true, they do run more races back east, you know, because they run during the week. Out here, we don't run during the week. We only run on the weekends, you know. So, you know, of course, most of the media outlets like Speed 51 and, you know, um, Short Track Scene and all of them, they're all based out back east, you know, North Carolina, around that area, you know. So it's easier for them, you know, to pick up, you know, what's going on out there, plus the fact that they run, you know, a lot more races than us out here, you know. So, of course, you know, they get the exposure, but you know, with the, with the snowflake win and the domination at the Derby, you know, with the pole, you know, and, you know, and, you know, you know, uh, what even, even for the Derby itself, you know, you know, them getting, you know, you know, the bad, horrible call by the, you know, um, by race control, you know, but then, you know, coming back, you know, winning the, you know, the 25,000 all-star showdown and, you know, just the races that he's won, you know, around the country, you know, you know, he's finally getting his recognition. I mean, even Speed 51 put him in, like, the top 10, you know, short track mm-hmm. racers, you know, which a lot of, of course, the guys back east didn't like it because they felt that they, they missed some of their drivers. But, you know, when you look at, when you stack Derek's um, uh, yeah. resume up against some of the other ones, you know what? He may not have run, you know, 200 races, but you know what? The, his win percentage is up there. It, his grid percentage is probably higher higher than them. Seriously, it's higher than them. And how many yep. how many of those drivers can say that, that they have a that they have a NASCAR not one NASCAR championship, but two NASCAR championships, you know, at kinda of like in two different eras, you know, two thousand thirteen, mm-hmm. you know, two thousand come back five years later, win it, you know, and then to, to win it against a, a you know, a, the powerhouse team of Bill McAnally racing you know, who have four drivers, you know, as compared, you know, to Derek, it was Derek and uh, Ryan Partridge, you know, as a two-car team, mm-hmm. they one, two, you know, and basically shut down the BMR um, dynasty that, you know, that everybody bragged about, you know, so I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he's, he's up there, you know, as, as one of, you know, as one of the, you know, you know, as one of, you know, the, the best, um, you know, super late model racers, you know, and, and a lot of drivers back East, you know, they respect him, you know, and because, you know, he's a clean driver, he's not, he doesn't go out there and, you know, and, and, you know, and drive stupid, you know, he's a very smart driver, you know what, and, and, you know, the team he has behind him, you know, what they're, they're not flashy, it's not a flashy team, you know, they don't go out there, you know, and, you know, they, they stick to their pit area, you know, they work on their cars, you know what, and, 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 you know, and, and they go out there and they let their racing, you know, talk for them, you know, instead of doing all the, you know, talking, you know, running their mouths in the pits like a lot of the drivers do, you know, they let their mm-hmm. racing talk for themselves, you know, real quiet team, real professional. And I mean, you know, and, um, you know, and you, you know, you put all that together, you know what, and, and plus the hard work, you know, they put in the shop, you know, I mean, they're in the shop, you know, seven days a week, you know, they put a lot of time in them in those cars, you know, so they know when they get to the race, they know they're prepared, you know, they're, they're beyond prepared, you know, and even then they don't feel like they're prepared sometimes, but, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it, and it's, you know, and it's shown, you know, because now he's finally, um, you know, he's finally, you know, getting, you know, some of the recognition, you know, that he, that he should have been getting, you know, throughout the years. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, I do want to give an update here, Sal, on that um, Arkham and Art Series East race. Uh, Sam Mayer wins the race. Uh, Derek Griffith uh, actually uh, comes back uh, for a second-place finish in that race, so that was a good run for uh, Derek Griffith and Chad Bryant Racing. Uh, Sam Mayer, of course, with GMS Racing. Ty Gibbs uh, came in third. And it's refreshing, so I'll give you the rest of that here in just a second when it comes back up. Um, but those are your top three guys right there. Uh, and I've got a feeling those are probably going to be three of the guys to watch all season long in this Arkham Menard series. Nick, Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing finished fourth, and Gianni uh, Romanti uh, rounds out the top five there. Steven Nass, Kornheim, Parker Ratcliffe. Uh, are the next up in that uh, top ten. So it just refreshed again, so I lost it. Uh, but, Sal, what are your thoughts about this race? You know, i, I seen the replay of the Tanner Gray wreck, and, and Tanner had nowhere to go. I mean, he was yeah. he was, he was, he was, he was against the, the fence. You know, two cars came up on him, pushed him up on, on the fence. It was a nasty wreck. But, I mean, the kid had nowhere to go. I mean, it was just... It was, it, it's yeah, horrible to see, you know, cars, cars get torn up like because that. He was running in the top five when that happened. Uh, both uh, Mason Diaz and Ted Gray were running up in the top five. Mason Diaz in the number 25. Uh, it was uh, Tanner Gray in the number 17. And uh, those guys lost their top five uh, position uh, with that incident. Uh, and uh, it, it really was a shame to see that happen. You know, and, and, you know, um, but you know what, that's, and it's sad, Sharon, but that's the way short track racing has been this season. I mean, you know what, uh, you know, if you follow short track racing back east, it's just been, man, it's just one incident after another. You know what, drivers are just, I, I don't know if they're not thinking or, you know, what what's going on, but I mean, there, there's been a lot of, a lot of this going on, you know. You know, it's even during speed weeks now. You know, and New Smyrna, but even at other tracks, I mean, you know, we're you know seeing fighting in the pits a lot, and you know, a lot of a lot of really super aggressive driving. You know, you know, aggressiveness. You know, that doesn't need to be. You don't. You know that aggressive. Just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Well, Maybe you know my thought is blame it on the Russians. Well, no, my thoughts Blame are on the Russians. I, I prefer to see the guys <laughs> out there on the track racing. Uh, by the way, Chase Cabray, and it was Max McLaughlin rounding out the top ten there. But um, uh, I want to see the guys use their talent on the track versus their bumper on the track. I, 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 uh, I, I figure, you know, it doesn't take much to knock somebody out of the race. It takes, it takes talent to be able to race around these guys and make the passes. Uh, as a race car driver. Uh, but at the same time, it goes back to what you were kind of saying earlier about um, uh, a lot of these guys, uh, uh, you know, it's the controversy that gets the headlines. And, and that's what a lot of these guys are looking for is to get, get their name into the controversy and the headline. And unfortunately, that's become kind of the norm. Um, it makes me sad in a lot of ways. Uh, although I understand where they're coming from, um, it, it's just not the kind of racing I really enjoy watching. So, and then, any, and you know any what? Final there, there's, on a, that? 
Yeah, you know, there's a lot of the older drivers, you know, that they ask about. You know, the, you know what they first thing they say? It's these young kids what? that are coming into the sport. Their parents have a, uh, a, you know, a blank check that they had in the team, and the kids don't respect their equipment. A lot of these kids don't spend no time in the in the shop. They don't know what it's like to have to fix their own race car. They have no clue what it's what the mm-hmm. car is supposed to do. They 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 come home, you know, they go up to the track, you know, they're sitting in their haulers playing Fortnite or whatever. It's time to drive. They get in the car. They drive the car. Um, then they get out and they go talk with their friends. You know what? And, and they they're not spending no time in the shop, no time looking at the car. So they have no clue what these guys are. The hours are put in to fix these cars, and it's because these parents, you know what they have. I mean, like they say, this one guy and, and I and I didn't agree with him. I said, he said they're living their dream. You know, so, so yeah. the dream is, is to is to tear up other people's race cars. You know, I mean. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I hear you. You know, and 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 I and I really think that letting a kid drive come out and drive it, and and I and I've argued this, and I and I get bashed for it all the time. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old to me is way too young to let a kid get in a late model or super late. You know what? Wait until they're older, until they have more sense. Make them work in the shop mm-hmm. and fix these cars. I mean, back in the day, you didn't have that's fourteen, fifteen and year old good kids racers. racing. I'm telling you, you're good racers like a Chase Briscoe and some of these guys that have done that. Uh, these guys, these guys are, are good racers because of what they're doing in the shop and how they're participating uh, and spending time with the guys in the shop. So um, I, I think I think that's that's a good point, Sal. Any race? Uh, well, you've got a wedding coming up this next couple of weeks, along with your honeymoon. Congratulations on your marriage. I wish I could be there, but unfortunately, I can't make that trip at this time. But uh, I really uh, have put big congratulations out to you and Sandy on your forthcoming wedding. Uh, I'm real happy for you guys. Oh, thanks. We're looking forward to it. So. Uh... And unfortunately, where we're going on our honeymoon, I, I searched wide and broad on Google and couldn't find a racetrack. So she's happy for that because every trip we have, any trip we made, <laughs> I've always, we've, I'm serious here, we have always stopped at a racetrack. Even even when we went to, when we made our our second trip out to celebrate her birthday at Disney World, we went to Daytona <laughs> and we went to, and I shot a race at New Smyrna. Mm-hmm. She was wondering That's why I took all my camera gear, and I said, "Yeah, she was looking for I said because I want to make. I said I want to make sure I have cameras, you know, for when we go to Disney World. You know, I want to make sure I have the right lens. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I get a call, and she goes, "I go Sunday. I go, uh, you know, why don't we uh, go to Nismirna? There's a Governor's Cup. I knew there was a reason why he brought all that camera gear." But, <laughs> she's yeah, a so there good is nothing sport, Sal, and, and she's the perfect mate for you because uh, she allows you to do all of those things, and and uh, and I know she's she's uh, happy to do it. She knows this is your passion. So, uh, thanks to Sandy for all her support, and and uh, again, congratulations to you guys. And we'll right, see you thanks. in a couple weeks. Yep, a couple weeks. I'll be <laughs> okay, back. So. All right. Okay, take care now. Okay, good night. All right, uh, with that, it is now time for NASCAR Hot Topics Sound Off, and I've got a couple of guys here that have been biting at the bit 
uh, to get started with our uh, 2020 season. First of all, let me welcome our co-host, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks, Sharon. It's uh, it's good to be back. I'm excited. Um, you know, three months may seem like a long time, and it is a long time. It's been a long off season, so <laughs> really, really glad to be back. And uh, I, I just not sure if there's anything to talk about tonight. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I think we'll find something. Uh, joining us is going to be our uh, Thursday night co-host, uh, Wednesday night this week, by the way. Uh, Jay Huseman is also here to help us with our hot topics tonight. How you doing, Jay? Uh, real good. Uh, we got to start out the year as we spent most of the year, though. I got to disagree with Andy. No, um, it's not a matter of finding something to talk about. It's limiting what we can talk about because there was so much during the off season. We could have a show on every night this week and not cover it all. Well, I'll tell you what, I made the announcement. Uh, uh, Go ahead. I just want to say I made the announcement earlier tonight, but I'm going to say it again here on NASCAR Hot Topics. Uh, Andy is going to kind of help uh, uh, release the pressure valve on our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off uh, this season because he's agreed to do a Hot Topics blog for us at FanForRacing.com, which, by the way, is down for 72 hours because uh, uh, I'm not able to access the um, – uh, admin panel, so GoDaddy is working feverishly feverishly uh, to get us back online for FanForRacing.com uh, within 72 hours here. But, uh, Andy, I know you're looking at posting a Hot Topic blog uh, as early as perhaps this Friday, right? Yes, that's the goal, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, certainly as far as the, the writing side of things go, last year um, was lacking on my part, so I'm looking forward to not only being able to talk about the hot topics on our radio show twice a week, but also put it into writing. And I think that, um, you know, it'll be good to touch on various topics throughout the week, you know, more than just twice on air. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I am too, Andy. I can't wait to read the first blog. Uh, and Jay, you're going to continue to be our uh, co-host on the, on the preview show this week it's going to be on Wednesday night because we've got the duels on Thursday night that will be taking place so uh, fans should watch for our preview show on Wednesday night this week yeah super excited about that again get to kick it off with Daytona again so much to cover uh, in a short amount of time uh, we'll have the duels the trucks the Xfinity and the cup for the 500 so Again, a lot to jam in, even in an hour-and-a-half program. Okay, and for those of you who may have not listened to our first 90 minutes of tonight's show, uh, we did have a guest on tonight with Michael Self and Derek Thorne. Uh, and Sal Segala, of course, is our co-host on our Monday night show. Uh, we had great conversations with both of those drivers, and uh, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to the uh, replay uh, tonight if uh, you did not hear those interviews. But let's get into our hot topics. I know we're, we've been anxious to get this thing started. So, Andy, as the co-host, I'm going to let you kind of lead that off. What's our first hot topic for tonight? Hey, I'd really like to talk about um, the move that DGR Crosley made to Ford Performance from Toyota over the offseason, and in doing so, 
um, the big signing by Ford to bring in Haley Deegan as uh, one of its development drivers. I thought that was certainly uh, one of the bigger stories of the last three months. Okay, Jay? Yeah, it most certainly is, um, and kind of a shock. I mean, I I look back to when it was Stuart Haas racing went from Chevy to Ford. I didn't hear a whole lot of rumblings about it. All of a sudden, it was out there. I think it's a great move for Ford uh, to see them get the developmental program that's been needed in their within their manufacturer. We saw what Toyota can do with that. Um, so I think they're following that lead, and I think they did a great job with it. I am a little shocked. I mean, DGR Crosley did so well with Toyota under the Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, I hope that they are very successful. I don't know. We'll have to see how they come out the gate. I know they're a strong team, but, again, switching to manufacturer like that and being the top dog um, puts a little pressure on you, but I do think they're able to step up to the challenge. Talk about Haley Deegan signing with them. That one blows my mind. Um, But, again, the opportunity for Ford to do so uh, was a great move. We saw her results finish second in the ARCA race and uh, I believe tied the record there with uh, Shauna Robinson and uh, I can't think of the other one from the ARCA series. Was it? I don't remember if it was Danica or not, but I know it was tied with two other females. Um, but, again, a great move. And, unfortunately, for Toyota, it's one of those that this is going to happen more and more, I think. They, they have so much talent and such a developmental program that these drivers are having to go elsewhere because there's nowhere to move up through Toyota, you know, even all the way up to the top level with Joe Gibbs. So um, might even see some more of this throughout the year or the next year or two. Yeah, you guys bring up a a couple of really good ones here uh, for to kick off our uh, 2020 season here on Hot Topics. Uh, That is a huge move, I think, for DGR Crossley. Uh, They've been big supporters of the Toyota Racing Development Program, uh, and Haley Deegan was a big part of that Toyota Racing Development Program. Uh, So for for all of those parties to make that switch over to Ford, uh, I think is a really big deal. But I think it's a smart thing for both of the, in both of those cases and the reason i think it's smart is if you look at what to, what toyota racing development ha, has done to bring superstars into the sport of nascar and into the top three series um uh through that toyota racing development program it's been phenomenal and this is the this is ford performance uh, taking the opportunity to up their program now by bringing in a, uh, a, a team that has been working with Toyota Racing Development, bringing in a driver who's been huge with the Toyota Racing Development, um, and and to really up their game, if you will, by uh, switching over to Ford and 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 Ford Performance. Uh, and I think Ford's really going to answer the call. Uh, I think the other part, factor to kind of take into consideration here is if you look at all the drivers that have kind of saturated that Toyota development program, uh, there's no room at the end for some of those drivers right now, and that's why we're seeing drivers like Christopher Bell racing racing at Levine Family Racing as an affiliate team under the Joe Gibbs Racing uh, banner because there's no room for him at uh, at uh, Gibbs right now. 
So this gives them an opportunity. Ford has a lot of teams in NASCAR. Uh, it's going to be definitely an opportunity for a lot of these up-and-coming drivers uh, that are coming up through the Arkham Menard series uh, and other uh, uh, series. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity uh, for them to uh, get some premium spots uh, that could be opening up in the next few years here. So I think it's a smart move. Uh, and I, I'm glad to see DGR Crosley making that move and uh, a driver like Haley Deegan uh, to really take advantage of that opportunity right at the get-go uh, to, to come up through the Ford Performance uh, Development Program. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts as well. Yeah, it's a big move, obviously. Um, kind of a, in, in a way of sorts, it's... it's um, you know, the ability for David Gilliland to reunite with Ford. He spent a lot of his driving career, mm-hmm. uh, both at uh, Robert Yates Racing and uh, Front Row Motorsports driving Ford. So for him um, and this team, it's it's a uh, an ability for them to be reunited. And it's a, it's a big deal for that team and for Ford. Um, I suspect that they'll receive a lot of support. And for Ford, it adds a lot of depth, I think, to their development program. Um in, in the truck series, I think they only had Thor Sport prior to this year, so now you add in another team in DGR Crosley that helps um, develop young talent for the Xfinity and the Cup Series. And I, it also adds depth into um, the Arkham Menard Series. I think at least you know two of the three series, if not all three of the Arkham Menard Series, um, which will allow Ford to develop drivers in series that are, um, you know, a step or two below the truck series. So it adds a lot mm-hmm. of depth into uh, their development program and um, certainly adding Haley Deegan into the Ford development program, I think gives her, um, I think the ch- the chance to really progress her career further than she may have been able to do in the Toyota camp. Um, I look at it as a huge loss for Toyota and a huge gain for Ford. And, um, you know, I think it's a a really big deal for not only DGR to move to Ford, but also for, you know, Ford to get Haley Deegan. And uh, I think it just, it, it adds a lot of depth to their development program. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a huge win for that, that particular manufacturer. Okay, now a couple of uh, programming notes here that I want to uh, say real quick before we move on uh, that I forgot to say earlier. First, I know uh, Jay is also uh, continuing our Fan for Racing Fantasy team this year, and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that again. So, again, thank you, Jay, for, for taking that on again. I think this is the third year that we've do, we're doing this. And then secondly, we're doing something a little bit different during our radio show this year. Uh, I'm, I'm putting an event out on Facebook for our radio show so that we can uh, carry on conversations with our audience throughout the show. If you're listening and you haven't done this yet, head on over to Fan for Racing blog and radio on Fan for Racing doc, uh, at Facebook and you'll be able to see the event that we have posted there. We have several threads already started uh, that give you a chance to take part uh, in our show tonight by posting on those threads 
your thoughts about some of the topics that we're bringing up here tonight. Uh, all you have to do is make sure you reserve your spot or let us know that you're going to this event, and uh, you'll be able to then take part in that conversation. So uh, we also did some updates throughout the uh, race for the Arkham and Art Series East Race at New Smyrna tonight, so you'll see that there as well. So just an FYI on all of that as well. So Jay, I know, is busy posting the pick order for the fantasy, uh, Fan for Racing Fantasy team. Uh, it'd be great if at some point, Jay, uh, and, and I know I'm just kind of putting this out there at some time at this point. I don't know if we can do it for this year, but something to think about for the future. Um, I'd love to be able to include some of our listeners in our Fan for Racing Fantasy uh, League. So I don't know what you think about that, but just a thought. I would certainly love to incorporate that. Um, we'll see if there is a way we can't get it onto the page. I know we've talked about that as one of the things in the past. If not, we can put it on this uh, live chat topic, um, at least get their input on who their picks would be. Um, I'd yeah. certainly be willing to do that um, and work with that as we get more fans involved, which hopefully this uh, this chat deal will do. Um I know, as again, we kind of kicked that idea around. Uh, I can't say every weekend, but hopefully, uh, once once every couple of weeks, uh, while I'm watching a race, I'll be one on there, uh, willing to chat with fans as the race is going on. Um, so, I like I like yeah. that plan, and hopefully, we can get some uh, some great engagement with it. Yes, and this is a chance for us to do a few shout-outs to some of our listeners as well. So we really hope uh, a lot of you take the opportunity to check out that event page and uh, uh, take part in the conversation. So uh, with that, uh, I know we usually do a quick follow-up. We'll make it a quick follow-up so we can get to another topic. Any follow-ups from your end, uh, Jay? No, I, I think, you know, like I said, and then you guys hit on it, it, it was a great move. Like I said, I have to see how strong they come out the gate there with DGR, Crosley, and Ford. But I do like that direction. You know, it may take a year or two, see how they develop. But I think that was a great direction to go. Chevrolet needs to take note as well um, versus that, getting that driver development program going um, as they as they are the one that isn't at this point either. So they're not as in-depth as what we've seen Toyota do. All right. Um, okay. And uh, I want to uh, also just uh, uh, see if you had any follow-up, Andy. I'm sorry, I'm doing multiple things here, so if I'm stuttering a little bit, that's the reason why. Andy, any thought, any additional thoughts on your end? I don't think so. Um, I think it's a really exciting move, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what DGR and both Haley can do this year and, and really excited about her future. I think that they've mapped out a long-term goal for her that will hopefully see her in a cup car in the coming years. So it, it's exciting and um, certainly looking forward to seeing what they're going to do this year. Okay. Now, uh, Jay, I know you posted on uh, one of the threads there that uh, Quentin Reed had some thoughts on the Cup Rookie class for next season. Is that your your next topic? I will. Uh, being that again, that's one of one of our fans uh, has his own show, Speedwear Anywhere, on Thursday nights as well. Um, get, he's gotten fired up already, and he does uh, has called in before and has, has always been a listener. So um, his topic was the rookie class, and I am trying to pull up um, 
I know he didn't get on to the Fan for Racing page. When I shared it, he actually made some comments on my share to it versus the actual link to the site. So I'm trying to find out. I know he said one or two. He feels like one or two of them are going to get wins this year, but didn't specify which ones. Uh, Here we go. He says, I think we will see at least one, if not two, of the rookies find victory lane this year. Um, And that's why I tagged him into the chat chat that we have, um, see if we could get that one going. That's – wow, how do I say this? There are some very great rookies. The three, the big three from the Xfinity all moved up. We got a couple more. It is a huge rookie class. But we have seen in the past some great rookies come in, and it has been a while since a rookie really lit the Cup Series on fire. And I, we've had some like Chase Elliott, William Byron. It's taken them two or three years. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I know we've talked about Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell. He is under the Joe Gibbs umbrella, racing with Levine Family Racing and support from JGR. Certainly could. We saw what Matt B, Matt DiBenedetto did with that team last year. So the team obviously had improved and was knocking up there in the top 10 level uh, with Christopher Bell behind the wheel. It's certainly possible. You've got Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick um, as the main three. Uh, that's not to rule out John Hunter Nemechek, you know, is another one. So I, I would say maybe one of them. Um, I, I don't think I can even pick two. And unfortunately, I would have to say if it were to, it would be Cole uh, Cole Custer with Stuart Haas Racing and Christopher Bell. And the only reason I leave Tyler Reddick out, I know he's the two-time defending Xfinity champion, but I don't think Richard Childress' team is where it needs to be yet. Um, So that's kind of how I would rank him if I were to, like I said, I, I don't even know if one will win. It's just the cup level is the cup level for a reason. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Jay on that. Um, we've got probably the most stacked rookie class that we've seen in a long time. And, you know, certainly when you look at specifically Reddick, Bell, and Custer, they really took the Xfinity Series by storm the last couple of seasons. But the Cup Series is a whole new animal. The competition level is, you know, probably three times as great as it is in the uh, Xfinity Series. And that's not to say they won't come in and be competitive. I think they will. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised. I I tend to think I, you know, maybe one of them can make the playoffs, maybe one or two, and and maybe one or two can find victory lane. If I had to pick two, I would also agree that it would probably be Custer and Bell. Um, Bell's essentially in the Gibbs car this year with, with the amount of support they're getting and obviously Custer's in-house at Stuart Haas. So, um, but the, there will be a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, it's, it's a completely different beast and I, I think it may be, uh, it may take half the season for any one of them to reach victory lane. Reddick is, is kind of, to me, the most intriguing situation because I, I think he's an incredible talent and will and will elevate the RCR program. It's just a matter of has RCR made the right changes to be competitive. Um, we haven't really seen a lot out of them recently, and I think if there's anyone that can get them back to victory lane, it would be Tyler Reddick. Uh, it just remains to be seen, um, you know, what if the changes they've made are are going to pay dividends or not. Andy, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was thinking. If there's any one of those guys that could could uh, make it happen at RCR, 
uh, it would be Tyler Reddick. I think no matter what car you put him into, he's going to make that car competitive. And, uh, yeah, they're behind the curve a little bit, but I see Tyler Reddick as a guy that can help them up their program at Richard Childress Racing. And uh, I think we're going to see him do that uh, this season. Uh, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch, I think. Uh, but you guys are right, absolutely right. This is one of the best rookie classes we've seen in the Cup Series for a long, long time. And uh, it's going to be a reason to tune in uh, to the NASCAR Cup Series in the 2020 season. Uh, I will say, uh, watching all of these guys, we've had uh, all of the big three on our radio show and, and some of the other rookies that are going to be uh, in that season. Um, and and it's one of the big reasons why fans, if you want to get to know these drivers before they get to the Cup Series, that's why you tune in to the Arkham Menard Series uh, and the Arkham Menards East and West this year because that's where you're going to see the future talent uh, that is going to rise to the top in the NASCAR's Top 3 Series. Uh, and it's been so much fun. Uh, Andy and Jay, I know you'll you'll uh, agree with this. It's been so much fun watching these guys uh, advance uh, through uh, those series to get into the top three and now become major stars in the sport. Uh, we've watched quite a few of the drivers do that through our Fan for Racing website and the radio show here, and uh, I'd love to see other fans uh, uh, watch that journey as well. And uh, I think uh, the Arkham Menard Series under the banner of NASCAR is really going to put on some great racing for us uh, and for, other, uh, for all fans uh, this season and beyond. So I, I just want to put a plug in there for that because uh, uh, you guys know we've talked to all of those drivers uh, when they were with the Can-Am Pro Series, and now to see them doing as well as they're doing uh, this year Last the last two years in the Xfinity Series and now headed to the Cup Series, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. So, any follow up from you guys? No, again, uh, it's, and it's exciting. As I say, it's Go exciting ahead. to see now that they are at that top level. Um, who comes up next? Uh, you know, we've talked about Haley Deegan coming into the ARCA Series now uh, from the K and N. Talked about Sam Mayer winning the. Arkham Menards, and I apologize, I used the K&N, um, the Arkham Menards <laughs> East Series race tonight. Yeah, it won't be the last time, I promise. Um, but the Arkham Menards East Series uh, race tonight, that's another one that we've seen already. Make some truck starts, make some Arkham uh, starts. Going after that Arkham Menards East Series title. Um, can't wait to see him in this combination of showdown events where he races with the, with the rest of the Arkham Menards Series. Um, that's another one that is going to be one of the future that we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. And and a newcomer uh, to the Arkham Menard Series this year uh, with Derek Griffith. Uh, he was leading. He won the pole. He was at the front of the uh, uh, race and uh, had an incident. He ended up getting back, uh, pushed back in the field. Uh, and he was able to race his way up through the field in order to finish second uh, behind Sam Mayer tonight. So uh, we're seeing new talent already uh, in the Arkham Menard Series uh, that uh, have the potential to become future stars in NASCAR's top three. Um, Andy, any of your thoughts there? 
Yeah, one that actually really intrigues me is uh, Tanner Gray um, that will drive, mm-hmm. I believe, a full season with DGR Crosley this year and uh, make select ARCA starts. He um, He's a drag racer, actually, and to see him make the transition to um, stock cars has been uh, pretty impressive, and I think that he's only going to continue to get better with more experience. So looking at, uh, you know, what he can do, and obviously now under the Ford banner that could be, you know, a possible future uh, star within the Ford racing um, banner. So the, it'll be fun to watch for sure. And all of these teams are are, are uh, led uh, by teams that you hear of in NASCAR's top three, GMS Racing, Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, D.G. Harcrosley, and Bill McAnally this year has a truck series team uh, that he's bringing uh, to a full-time season with Derek Krause. So uh, pretty cool to see it work in that direction as well. Uh, between all of these series. Uh, but getting back to the topic of the, the uh, rookie series, rookies in the uh, uh, NASCAR Cup Series this year, it's really, really amazing. It, it is, and I do think we're going to see some great racing, some great competition out of them. Um, but, again, we look at some of the top teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that we know are capable of it. Some changes we've seen already. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse moving over to JTG Daugherty. There's The competition level is just so great. Um, so it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, pumped up already. Okay. Uh, so moving right along here, uh, I guess we'll look at uh, uh, some other topics. Uh, uh, do either of you guys have another topic you want to bring up while I'm uh, working on some uh, posts here. <laughs> uh, Andy, you got one? If not, I got 57 of them written down, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, no, here, I've go got ahead. one. I've, okay. I've got one here. I want to bring this up because there's been a lot of conversation about the charter uh, teams this year that are uh, – we've got several that are selling their charters to other teams – uh, and giving teams an opportunity. There's one driver in particular that's not going to get to take advantage of that, uh, and that is uh, Daniel Suarez with uh, uh, Gaunt Racing. Uh, he's not going. He has to race his way after having several seasons in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's now in a situation where he's got to race his way in uh, through the qualifying process. Uh, and there's some conversation that maybe uh, there needs to be some changes to the charter agreement, and, and that is coming up for renewal. So I want to get your guys' thoughts about that. Is it, is it time to make changes to this charter agreement? Uh, because it seems um, that to, to be building up to some controversy here when you've got a driver of the likes of Daniel Suarez that has to race his way in because he couldn't take advantage of those charters. So, uh, Jay, you want to start with that one? Well, and I know this is one we talked about. Um, going to think this through before I say anything out of line, but but you go back to when we had the top 35 rule. I wasn't a fan of that. Neither were the fans and neither were the teams, and they eliminated. When they came with this charter system, the concept of paying extra money to the teams that were there weekly, I understand but to lock them in 
especially with what I'm going to call the loopholes um, of teams that could then trade them away or sell them. Again, the selling of it, I understood. You had something tangible to sell. But the way it's being used now is they're not. They're kind of just trading them around and splitting it up amongst their own teams, and it's become a mess. You can't even keep track mm-hmm. of the bottom half of which charter is with which which team that originally belonged to Roush but then got traded to so-and-so and then sold to this team, and then they bought another one or borrowed another one anyway, even though they sold their own. I just don't understand it. Okay. It didn't work the way it was laid out. Okay, let me real quick interject here, uh, Jay, and I apologize for that, but we're coming up to the 10.30 mark. We go off the air at 10.30, but we do continue the conversation, and that's available on our podcast, and that podcast is available once we close the show show out. The podcast is available at iTunes as well as on our Fan for Racing uh, website as soon as we get it uh, back up and going. Uh, but it's also available right now at fanforracing dot uh, at uh, fanforracing blog and radio on Facebook via the event page that we referenced earlier. So uh, just real quick for those of you that don't know that that happens, we're down to the last ten seconds. Uh, but just know that uh, you'll hear the rest of the conversation on that podcast, and you just have to fast forward uh, to that uh, two hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Okay. With that, uh, Jay, did you have anything more that you wanted to say? I apologize for interrupting you there. No, it was a good jump in there. I, again, normally I'm keeping an eye on that as well. I hadn't even noticed that. Again, that half hour gone just like that. But uh, <laughs> the only the only thing I would add to my rant there, which I know it was, but I, that is one as I, when I talk to Sharon, I do get fired up about the teams that are doing this. By no means do I hold it against them because they are doing that is something that is legal within the rules the way they were written. So I don't hold anything against any of the teams. I don't like the fact that they're able to do it because of the way it was written. But I don't hold anything against any of the teams that are doing this because they're just taking advantage of what is legal. Okay. Uh, Andy, your thoughts? I'm not opposed to to seeing us go back to the old school way of qualifying, you know, where everyone's, you know, get, you know, basically getting in by speed, you know, and, and maybe use a provisional if, if necessary. But um, I kind of enjoyed it when the fastest cars were rewarded for their efforts, you know, hypothetically, if, if Suarez qualifies, you know, six, then, then he should be locked into the field. Right. You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be, a, I, I guess I'm not a huge fan of, you know, 35 teams automatically being locked in, especially if, you know, there's five or so cars in the back part of that top 35 that I think that's what it is now. Right. With the charter deal, I think it's like 30 something mm-hmm. teams locked in. So 30, it's like 36. 36. Okay. Spots. So it's like, so it's like if those last six cars, you know, that are chartered teams are really slow during qualifying, you know, why should they be allowed to be locked in in a car that may have qualified them doesn't get in just because they're not a charter team. So it would be kind of cool to see maybe, you know, take a step back in time and, and qualify like we used to qualify, you know, where everyone's really trying to get in on speed every week. And, uh, you know, it'd be kind of nice to see that revisited at some point. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think it would be good if we went back to 
uh, the fastest cars are the cars that get in. The the problem that I think I have with that, though, is that sometimes these drivers are not in the best equipment to have the fastest car to be able to get in, but they yet somebody like Daniel Suarez has really paid his dues uh, and should be able to get in. But at the same time, you could have an off week for, for some of these drivers um, that could make it interesting. I, I don't know if I had that conversation with you, uh, Jay, or if I had that conversation with Andy, but we were talking about how it could really pique some interest throughout the season if a big-name driver, for instance, for whatever reason, had a bad day and could not get in uh, to the race and misses a race uh, a lot of people will tune in just to see if he can recover from that uh, to be able to, to get back into the point situation uh, to go after a championship. So, and again, that brings up the whole question of uh, how would that play into the championship run? Uh, if they don't make a one race, does that disqualify them from a championship? I would hope not. But I think there could be some tweaks. Uh, getting back to the charter system, I think there has to be some tweaks uh, to the charter system to get it back in line for what it was intended to do. Uh, because, Jay, you bring up some good points. Right now it's not really doing what it was intended to do. And um, uh, I think there needs to be some conversation around you know, getting getting it aligned back to the intention. Uh, and I hope that's what does happen. Uh, now, that was formed. The whole charter system was formed through the Race Team Alliance uh, that included drivers and owners and, and uh, uh, people involved in the sport. So uh, I would like to see all of those guys kind of get their heads together again and, and really come up with something that's going to work uh, for all the parties that are involved here, but also for us as fans. Uh, and and uh, hopefully they'll incorporate some of the things that we're talking about here tonight as well. Um, so uh, let's go back around the table for any follow-ups. Okay, I'll try and be quick here. It was me you were talking about it with, and you know me, I'm a dirt <laughs> guy too, so watching some speed weeks down in Florida, a week, week and a half worth of racing, 70 cars battling for 30 spots per night. Again, you were watching to see if your guy was going to make it in, you know, to each event. Uh, I am a big fan of that. If you give out one or two provisionals per race, I, I get that of one or two. So my fix for this would be bring it down at the cup level, maybe the top 25, uh, even the top 20. You could almost go with the chase races, racers only. Um, but that is something, and I, and I look back at I know on the radio you can't see somebody raise their hand, but how many people became Kyle Busch fans when he missed the first, what, oh, 11, yeah. 12 races and had to still work his way in, which he did? And that was an exemption. However, if these teams show up and attempt to get in, that is what qualifies you to be eligible to make the uh, championship hunt. So if they show up and don't get in but were there, that they are still eligible. If you miss a race completely due to not being there, then it's up to NASCAR to, to uh, grant a exemption, which, again, Kyle's injury, that, that is what they did. But how exciting was that to watch Kyle make, it, make up those races he missed? Uh, Andy, your thoughts? 
I guess these teams just got to show up and be fast every week, right? <laughs> so they don't run the risk <laughs> of uh, being eliminated. So um, it would be, it'd just be nice to see, you know, them go back to a format that rewards the fastest cars and um, maybe puts a little bit more emphasis on, on having to show up and, and put effort into qualifying. I think we're in a day and age where there are teams that, that show up and, you know, we talk about trimming cars out to go fast, which leads to faster qualifying times. And there's teams that focus more on their race setups, um, you know, so maybe it's time that uh, we reward the faster cars and maybe that means everyone shows up and puts effort into qualifying again. So um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be, I, I just think it'd be fun to maybe go back and take a step back in time with regards to qualifying so that we're not seeing, you know, open cars, not have a chance you know i feel like if you're an open car you're at a bit of a disadvantage in today's day and age and so if we could kind of you know do away with this charter deal and you know get back to basics it might be better for new teams trying to get their way into the sport and get started yeah i i I definitely agree with that i I totally understand the downside of it the downside of course is that if i pay for tickets to go to that race to see my favorite driver race the race and then he does not make it in uh, for whatever reason, I'm going to be pretty bummed that I put out that money and couldn't watch my driver. But at the same time, um, uh, I do think there's an upside to it because you're right. When Kyle Busch missed 11 races to start off that season and then went on to win the championship that same season, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. And fans were tuning in just to see if he could make that happen, and he did. Uh, so I do think uh, there's an upside to it, even though I know there's a downside as well. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the group as a whole does uh, to make changes in that charter system uh, to maybe create that kind of interest in the sport because that's the kind of things that we need uh, are the things that will create interest for people to tune in to find out what's going to happen. And uh, I I think there's an opportunity here uh, with this charter system to do that, and and that ties into that whole qualifying process as well. So uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens. Okay, Andy, did you have another topic you wanted to bring up here? Yeah, um, the next one I think would have to be in regard, and there's a lot of them to go through, but a lot of team. Uh, crew chief and team shakeups, and specifically, I uh, just thought we'd touch base on SHR's um, shakeup with their teams. Realistically, only the four car of Harvick remains the same. The other three teams went through some sort of significant change over the off season. So, wondered what your thoughts are on that, Jay. Well, and not not only that, Team Penske did the same thing, and that is a matter of you can't stay the same. Uh, you know, Harvick had multiple wins. Um, the, trying to think now. I think all four, three of them made the playoffs for Stuart Haas Racing, but they weren't all as competitive competitive as Harvick, let alone with the other teams they were battling for the championship. So you've got to make some changes. And the same goes for Penske. I think there were some great combinations there with Todd Gordon, Joey Logano, Paul Wolf, Brad, uh, Brad Keselowski, but they want all their teams to be championship four contenders. 
So you've got to make changes. Uh, we've seen it before. Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canal splitting, you know, and that was one we, some of us didn't think we'd ever, ever see because of their, what they had accomplished. But there just comes a certain point, especially to try and help the entire organization, that these changes need to be made. And we saw, I, I would have to go back to Jack Roush, uh, back when he had five teams, he was never afraid to swap things up like that to try and improve all five teams, not just one. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think there could be some great new combinations come forward uh, out of this, and hopefully it elevates all teams in the organization because that just rewards the fans with better on-track action. Absolutely. I, uh, uh well, I want to kind of chime in here, too, and then we'll go back to uh, Andy. Uh, I think that change is good, and I think that sometimes a shake-up like what's happening at Stuart Haas Racing is exactly what is needed in order to keep those teams competitive. Um, Rodney Childers and Kev- Kevin Harvick have a good thing going right now. Uh, they had eight wins uh, the year before last. Uh, they came back with several wins this season, um, uh, and I, I look for them to have another good year this year. Uh, and, you know, Cole Custer in the number 41, he's bringing his crew chief with him uh, to that 41 team, and I'm sure that's probably part of what precipitated some of the changes within the organization. But uh, uh, that's a good – Mike Shiplett is a, a great uh, crew chief there, and I think he's going to do well uh, with Cole Custer in the Cup Series. And uh, I, I think uh, I think uh, that's a good matchup. Um, and I forget what some of the other changes are, but I know, Andy, you probably know what they are uh, and, and can articulate that a little bit better. But uh, uh, Eric Amarola had a good uh, run in the Clash. Uh, he's always good on the super speedways. I think he'll do good again this year. And then uh, that fourth team is eluding me all of a sudden. we got Harvick, uh, Almarola, uh Cole Custer and who's Boyer. the fourth guy? Oh, Boyer. Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer. I, I should know that. Yeah, Clint Boyer is number Come 14. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. Uh, okay, so, yeah, and, and I think Clint Boyer is going to have a, a, a great season this year as well. So uh, I, what are your thoughts, Sandy, on, on those changes? Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head as far as the changes. I mean, Custer's car with Mike Shiplett is essentially, I think, the vast majority of which is the former double zero Xfinity car. So they brought a lot of those guys up and they should, I mean, they had a really uh, successful year last year, won a lot of races contended for the title. I think that um, that's a great driver crew chief pairing that needed to stay together. And I'm, I'm happy that they will be uh, together in the cup series next or this year. And um, you know, I think that if Cole is going to make that transition to the cup series, he's doing so with, you know, the best person possible on the pit box. Um, and, um, the other changes made basically the 10 and the 14 teams, they, they swapped teams, if you will, essentially the only thing that remained intact was the driver and the spotter from the original teams. In other words, the entire 10 team became the 14 and, and vice versa. So, um, Mike Bugaravich and the, and the former 14 team become Eric Almarola's team. And then Johnny Clausmeyer and the former 10 team become the 14 team. And, and like you said, I mean, sometimes change is necessary and, you know, the drivers were quoted as saying that Clint and, 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 um, 
you know, his former crew chief were, were a lot alike in the sense that if one got fired up, the other would get fired up. And sometimes that led to some disagreements, you mm. know, and I think, you know, in Eric Almarola's case, he's pretty even keel and his former crew chief was pretty even keel. And sometimes, um, you know, you need some of that opposites attract um, type scenario mm-hmm. to, um, to, to maybe create that spark that, you know, makes things better across the board. And that's really what it came down to was, you know, they're trying to get the same level of success with Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick across the whole organization. So um, I think they're all good changes. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, I think the team's goal is to get back to the level of success that they had two years ago when all four cars made the playoffs and all four teams won races. You know, that's something to point out is that it wasn't a bad year necessarily last year, but only one car actually won a race, and that was Kevin Harvick. So, um, And then, you know, uh, Jay touched on the team Penske uh, team swap, and that one actually was a shock to me because I felt like, the three teams that they had um, were, were competitive. They won races every year, in particular uh, Kozlowski and Logano. I mean, those were two championship driver-crew chief combinations over the past several years, you know, teams that won races every year and made it fairly deep into the playoffs. But um, I think probably the same reason that Stuart Haas made its changes and would have to be that, you know, Team Penske is looking to shake things up and, trying to make things better across the board and you know sometimes that change um can can really help out and and this is not nothing new that we've seen we've seen multiple teams over you know the last 15 20 years make these changes sometimes these changes take place mid-season so um you know team swaps and crew chief swaps you name it it's it's not a new thing and uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, it may take a few races to find out how good these changes are. But um, ultimately, I think every team always strives to get better and, and uh, put themselves in position to win races and championships. That's what it's all about. And, you know, hopefully for both of these teams' sakes, um, they made the right call. Yep, I, I agree. Um, any follow-ups, Jay? No, again, it'll be one of those. It'll definitely be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, some great drivers, some great crew chiefs, that, that mixture of what they can do together and hit that right combination um, to even become better. I know we had mentioned a couple there that specifically for me, the Paul Wolf, Brad Keselowski, I mean, what they've accomplished together to see them two mm-hmm. split up was extremely shocking. But, um, again, it's what can you do better for the entire organization. Absolutely. Okay, real quick, I want to give a a quick follow-up to the 2020 Cup Series Rookie of the Year candidates. There are actually uh, six drivers in that group, including Christopher Bell in the number 95, Cole Custer in the number 41, Quinn Huff in the number 00, uh, John Hunter Nemechek in the number 38, Brendan Poole in the number 15, and Tyler Reddick in the number 8. There's also some drivers that are switching um, uh, teams this year, including uh, Chris Busher, who's going to be, instead of that JTD Jordy in the number 37, he'll be in the 17 at Roush Fenway Racing. Matt Benedetto leaves the 95 at Levine Family Racing. Uh, to go to the 21 at Woods Brother Racing. Joy Gase moves from Motorsports Business Management uh, to Rick Rare Racing. 
Uh, Daniel Hemrick was released by Richard Childress Racing. He's going to run a partial Xfinity Series schedule with Junior Motorsports this season. Daniel Suarez, released from the 41 at Stuart Hawes Racing, moves to the number 96 for Gaunt Brothers Racing. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, the other side of that swap with James with uh, Chris Busher, uh, moving from the 17 at Rush Fenway Racing to the number 47 at JTD Doherty, Doherty. and of course uh, Paul Menard, David Reagan, and Matt Tift are not racing uh, this season in the Cup Series. So, um, uh, just a quick follow-up on those. Uh, Jay, did you have any other hot topics that you wanted to bring up? Um, yeah, I guess uh, just starting with this past week, and so a lot of a lot of talk about the clash itself. Um, heard a lot of drivers putting input on to what to do to fix it, as they said. Um, so I heard some good different ideas, um, some things I think could make it interesting. But overall, it's Daytona, it's super speedway racing. So I don't know that it can be fixed per se. Um, I don't like to see what we saw in a 200-mile-per-hour demo derby, but that's super speedway racing, is it not? <laughs> Andy? Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it's become, and and I I'm not sure we're ever going to be see a, a quick fix. I mean we've all been watching this a long time, and you know I've yet to see um, any kind of. I mean we've seen all different kinds of rules packages, different kinds of cars, and, and ultimately, you know, slowing the cars down in the name of safety creates the big packs, and it creates um the need for drivers to make aggressive moves and aggressive blocking and in doing so you you see these accidents i mean i don't unless they completely change the style of racing and get things strung out a bit then you're always going to see you're going to see big wrecks i mean thinking back to the last three five hundreds you know it's been a wreck fest and i think we're gonna i think that what we saw sunday in the clash is only scratching the surface on wrecked vehicles for this week. I can only imagine what this weekend's going to be like. So, <laughs> oh man, um no, unless unless we see drastic, you know, rules changes that get the pack strung out a bit and you're going to see you're going to see this happen and I think, you know, you might see, you know, a fairly calm beginning to, you know, the 500, but as it gets down to the wire and it's time to go for that win, then you're going to see everything break loose and Unfortunately, you know, blocking has become part of super speedway racing. So, um, you know, unless the drivers don't make those aggressive moves, then then you're going to see wrecks. And it's, like I said, it's only the beginning of what's going to be probably a very expensive week for the car owners. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot more of that this weekend. Yeah, I, I, that song, Isn't It Ironic, <laughs> kind of comes to mind right now because, one of the things that I notice is a lot of the drivers get so frustrated with uh, these wrecks and the blocking that's going on uh, in these races. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to see NASCAR get involved in making more rules because it's really this is one of those things that's really in the driver's hands. The drivers are going to make the difference over whether this is a wreck fest race that we're watching or whether it's real talent that we're watching out here on the track. And and uh, yet I hear driver after driver after driver say they're frustrated with the format of the clash. Well, 
it's not the format that's the issue. It's the drivers on the track uh, and how they're racing the race. And we've heard the commentators kind of comment that, uh, you know, they can probably get by with that block move a couple of times, but they're really pushing it when they try to do a third block, especially on a track like Daytona or Talladega. And, and uh, you know, the drivers have to make up their mind what kind of race they're going to give to the fans. Are they going to give the fans the wreck fest, or are they going to allow us to watch uh, their true talent on the track and, and racing at a super speedway race? Here's, here's the other ironic piece of this, is that a lot of fans like the wrecks. That's part of the reason why they tune in. Uh, there's other other fans like me that want to see the talent on the track. Uh, but what gets the attention of the media? It's the wrecks, and that's what's promoted for a lot of these races are the wrecks that happen on these tracks. So um, a lot of times that's that's what gets the headline, and that's what, what happens here. So um, I still say it's all in the driver's hands, and they've got to make the decision on how they want to deal with this. Uh, and with that said, I think I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the duels and also with the Daytona 500 as we progress through this weekend. So I'm interested in hearing what your follow-ups are. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen we've seen Daytona 500s that that are the same way. There, you got 40 cars out there. Um, you know, obviously sometimes things happen. If you want to talk specifically about the one from the clash, uh, Brad Keselowski was upset with the blocking of his teammate. First off, I've seen Brad do some wild things when it mm-hmm. comes to blocking. <laughs> second off, I don't even feel like Joey blocked the second time. He made a block, and Kyle got behind him, and when Kyle came down to get around him, I think that is just one of those that was super speedway racing. The air shifted his car a little bit. He got a little loose. They came together. I don't think Joey actually made a second block that caused that. So, uh, again, it's it's one of those of once you watch it back and truly understand super speedway racing, that is just a product of super speedway racing, and it happens. Unfortunately, it generally causes a big one. Uh, again, you got nowhere to go. So, it is what it is. Um, I do like some of the ideas, like I said, of it, especially with, to if drivers and it's the whole reason they added the stage racing to all the races of putting some money or points on the line and breaking it up so that you don't get in single file runs like they did for a stretch. Um, obviously, you had two groups that had different pitch strategies, so we saw a little bit of that, but I didn't think it was too bad. But putting up points and money in, in certain segments, obviously that'd be the same as what stage racing was. And we know what that did for some of these races. So that is one idea. It wouldn't be a bad idea. Okay. Andy, your follow-up thoughts. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, I guess really it's just going to be in the driver's hands. I think, um, you know, in terms of, of the kind of product we see. And, and I think that, you know, the big pack racing really, I, I think is, is why we tune in at least for these, these four races a year, you know, and I'm glad we don't see this every single week because I <laughs> get expensive, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I mean, certainly it, it gets fans on, on the edge of their seat. I know it, honestly it can be 
stressful to watch as a fan because everyone's three, you know, two, three, four wide. And, um, it, you know, you never know when that big accident is going to happen. So it definitely draws people in. It'd be fun to see them, you know, truthfully go the whole race without tearing cars up. We know that's not possible, but you know, if they could run three wide all day and, you know, have a photo finish, I think that's what we'd all like to see. So with any luck, maybe that's what we'll see happen. But if, if history is any indication looking at least back at the last three five hundreds, um, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be wild. Yep. Uh it is gonna be wild and uh uh I agree with you guys. It is a product of uh super speedway racing. Uh, some of the drivers have kind of resigned themselves that there's going to be times that they're just caught up in something that's not of their own doing, and they're going to get eliminated for the race through no fault of their own. Other drivers uh, get frustrated with how it happened on the track, and uh, we saw that between the Penske teammates uh, this weekend with the clash. Um, uh, and and you know it, it it's uh, it's it's been around like this for how many years it's going to be around for probably as least as many years uh in the future so uh we'll have to we'll have to just see if the drivers change their driving style uh i highly doubt that that's going to happen uh but it, it is it is costly and the clash is known to be a costly event i guess and it seems to me like kevin harvick was the only guy who brought three uh cars with him to daytona uh, which I think is a pretty smart move. It'll be interesting to see if more drivers do that in the future. Uh, I, I'm sure it comes down to uh, being a cost factor, but uh, uh, some interesting stuff during the clash for sure. Okay, we're coming up to the top of the hour here. I think we're going to have to call it a wrap. Uh, let's go around our round table here with your shout-outs and uh, uh, what to look forward to here. Jay, why don't you go ahead and start? All right. Well, first off, I'd like to do a shout-out. Um, some of the drivers that our fans here listening might know, David Stremme, Kenny Wallace, Justin Algar, all running the Dirt Modifieds down in Volusia County, Florida. And I want to give a shout-out to Mr. Excitement, Spencer Hughes from Meridian, Mississippi, who topped them all and took home that Gator Championship uh, trophy. So, Give that awesome. shout-out to Spencer Hughes. Um, for me, myself, uh, looking at a lot of different things, actually, uh, you guys want to step up. Uh, you've heard me talk about the Mid-South Big Ten Street Stock Series. My partner has decided to step away, um, so i got some thinking to do if I want to continue it by myself and make it the Jay Hoosman Cup. Uh, so if you <laughs> want to be involved in that, let me know, but... Uh, I'm going to have to make a decision on that, but plan on doing some announcing again throughout the area here, Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway, Jackson, Mississippi. And then again, working with uh, Fan for Racing here. I know, Sharon, we're going to talk about our schedule and what races we can get to and do some uh, some great coverage again from the track uh, throughout the year. So a lot, of, a lot of big things going again this year, and it's only February. <laughs> okay, Andy? Yeah, for me on uh, Twitter, alasky 14 is uh, where I can be followed. And, yeah, really excited about this year. As as always, it's always fun to get a new season started and looking uh, to have greater involvement in fan for racing. 
um, you know, obviously continuing the radio work and, you know, putting, putting hot topics down in a, in a weekly blog is going to be a lot of fun too. And, and also, um, looking to get to some races this year later on. So really excited, you know, about what's ahead. And, um, first off, hope everyone enjoys this week. Obviously we'll be back in two nights, but, um, yeah, really excited to be back and I'm glad uh, Daytona's here. Okay. And uh, I'm Sharon at FanForRacing.com. Uh, we're Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook. And uh, I'm really pumped up, uh, especially now that we've got our first radio show of the season under our belt uh, for this 2020 season. I think it's going to be an exciting season. I can't wait for the fantasy game. And I know we've already kind of got that started with the clash. Um and, uh, of course, uh, Sam Bornhorst doing the recaps of the cup races this season. Andy and the Hot Topics uh, is our co-host of Hot Topics on Mondays and Thursdays, uh, as well as the, the post that he's going to do at fanforacing.com. Uh, Jay, co-host of our preview show and, and part of our Fan for Racing crew on Hot Topics. Uh, and sometimes you fill in for Sal on Thursday on Monday nights when he's not able to be here. And, of course, Sal, our co-host on uh, Monday nights, uh, will be back in a couple of weeks to to continue to do that. And uh, I I didn't get a chance to tell you this, uh, Jay, but I know Andy said he could do the 17th uh, if you wanted to do the 24th. I don't know how that works into your schedule, but uh, just an FYI there on that uh, if, uh, if that works out. Uh, but uh, we've got a lot to look forward to, race day chats throughout the season, maybe not every race, but we're going to try to do uh, some select races, including the Daytona 500 this weekend, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited about that, too, because, again, uh, we're looking to get fan engagement, and, and the last time we did this, we did do this a few years ago, we did get some fan engagement by doing that, and I'm excited about uh, going back in that direction again, so uh, really excited about some of the new things we're doing here at Bamper Racing uh, this season. So, uh, Jay? All right. Uh, yeah, that that works good. Uh, if Andy covers the uh, 17th, and uh, I'll cover the 24th, so Sal can uh, enjoy his time there in Paris, I believe is what I heard. Um, <laughs> yep. Happy for him getting married and uh, going on the honeymoon over there. I heard where he said he couldn't find a racetrack over there, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how that works out. And another quick shout-out here. I forgot, uh, following me, you can follow me on Facebook at Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And a uh, shout-out there, you mentioned the uh, fantasy points. Although he had a car that finished a lap down, Right now, one race under, Andy is our points leader with four points there for uh, picking Denny Hamlin as the best car to at least stay on the track there in the uh, clash. Woot, woot. <laughs> I'll take it. It's probably the only time I'm going to lead this year. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> the only time know. I'll lead the points, so I'll take it. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, stay tuned. We'll keep uh, we'll keep fans up to date with that. Maybe we can do that on on the fan page as well, Jay. So uh, thanks for all you do, uh, both Andy and Jay, as well as our other supporters uh, with Sam Bornhorst and uh, Sal Sagala, and uh, our part time guy 
uh, James Bickford, who uh, steps in for us from time to time. So uh, definitely looking forward to our 2020 season. Uh, with that, I think we're, we're in a position we got to call it a wrap. And uh, programming note, we'll be back on air Wednesday night for the preview show with Jay as our co-host, and we'll be previewing the races uh, taking place uh, this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, so thanks a lot, everybody, uh, and a big shout-out to our listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you for uh, tuning in and uh, hearing what we have to say. Uh, take care and have a great race week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.